right, just quick check. Has everyone here seen any of the episodes we're discussing tonight? Yes. 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 Okay. We just finished them. Because right. <laughs> usually it's like, you know, you don't finish the last chapter, you're a little bit short, you can kind of wing it. That's fine. It's like, well, um, see, that's why Brian and I asked to, to postpone this until now, as opposed to at 8 o'clock when we only <laughs> have one hell has Brian? <laughs> and, you mean you don't call him death rule at home? <laughs> no, 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 sorry. I have to, to switch mental gears. My apologies. <laughs> That's completely fine. Well, it's like the first time we met... De- I'm just calling him Death, I don't care. Um, like, Danielle's mother was with us, and we're like, it'll seem odd if we call him Death. Oh, yeah. I will, like, automatically... Like, if I tell, like, my parents, like, stories about him, I was, I call him Death without even thinking about I called it. You, um, well, I called you P.S. one day in a story, and they're like, what? I'm like, um... um I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> actually, she and I have discussed this, and I actually I'm going to say it again because I think the podcast it, it's in it's going to have to be cut because I think she actually says my phone number in it. So <laughs> that's why. So I'll repeat the story. And we have each we other in our in our phones by our real names in case like I get like killed and hit or hit by a car and like they're looking through my phone to decide who to call about me being dead and they get to G. So that's oh, why I have well, her in my phone. Well, the thing is, name. that's the one weird name and you go, ah, the Wait perfect person to call. Wait a minute, your theory now oh. is if you're killed in a freak grilling accident, they're going to go through your phone and because they see Katie, they'll call her. No, just so I won't look like a freak. That have that has a friend named. She, well, actually, this point is moot because I have death roll in there as death roll. So I Wait, guess death. Hold death on. If I you're killed in a freak grilling accident, you're afraid that you're going to be embarrassed because it will say she in, yes. in your cell phone. <laughs> yes. And you put thought and, and time into this to come up with a. Well, I didn't put thought and time into it. I just. But. This is what? seven steps beyond wearing clean underwear when you leave the house in the morning. This is just a, a new <laughs> What, you don't? Why wouldn't you wear clean underwear? No, it's people who, like... <laughs> no, isn't it people... What's the thing if you're in a car accident? Make like, sure matching you're... underwear or, like, you know, not wearing a bra that has, like, the elastic hanging out? Well, I never really had that problem come up before, but... Well, hold on, Tanya. What's the expression, wear clean underwear in case you get into a car accident? In case you get that hit by the... a car. That, that's the expression. Yes. Yeah, because why would people wear dirty underwear? Well, no, you don't need to tell older kids so much as you need to tell the younger kids in case they get hit by a car or yeah, by I mean, a Because I know I don't often go cha- running out into the street chasing after ball and things. What? You know, I tend to use the crosswalk and cross at the light because I'm an adult. But even though we have a ton of stuff to discuss in this episode, we actually do need to bring up what happened to P.S. this week because I just think it's a fabulous story. Before we do that, I just well, want to turn this thing on. For Ryan's going to have to tell this story because I don't remember what happened to me. You don't remember what happened to you. All right. I don't, I don't or at least, I mean, I, I probably do, but I don't know what he's referring to. Right. So well, apparently, P.S. has her own name. Like, th- there's a name... And there's a surname, and when you combine them together, you get P.S.'s real-world identity. This is what she was known as when she was the murder suspect. Well, apparently, there is some type of 
in P.S.'s hometown in North Tacoma, wherever the hell she lives. You can't say that because then everybody would automatically know my name. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there is there is an organization. Just say, can we just say there's a company that has my name? There's a company that has P.S.'s name, her real name. It, it, it's the P.S. Company, but take out P.S. and insert P.S.'s real name. It's a, it's a woman's name. I mean, the name of yes, this P, woman. P.S. has a woman's name. after a man. Yes. P.S.'s name, name is, is not Pat in real life. She has an actual honest-to-God woman's name. You can't miss it's like Betty Crocker or something. Is real I mean, it's not as famous as PS's it's real not name as Betty Crocker. Betty Crocker, but it's like no, having we, the name Betty Crocker. We all know that PS's real name is Elizabeth. We know that from Perfect Weekly. PS's real name is actually Betty Crocker, and the reason we call her PS is she's embarrassed about being named Betty Crocker. So there's the Betty Crocker. Don't say. There's the Betty Crocker Paint Company. company. There's the Betty Crocker Paint Company in P.S.'s hometown. And the problem is, they put P.S.'s phone number next to the Betty Crocker Paint Company. So all day long, the phone is ringing off the hook at P.S. Manor, and she answers the phone, and she says, Betty Crocker speaking, how may I help you? And it's people who actually want to buy paint from Betty Crocker. So she's confused, because why are these people calling me asking for paint 24-7? And, and oh, yeah. really the problem is... That- the first time it happened, I answered the phone, I said, hello. And they said, is this Betty Crocker? And I said, yes, this is she. And then they start launching into this other thing. So then I had, no, no, wait, you mean you want the paint company? And so then what happened was I actually went online and I looked up the number of the paint company and I started giving it to them. So now people in, in your hometown have paint. Presumably, now, did, if they did you called submit- the right... Did you submit a bill to this company for services rendered? No, but I probably should have. I yeah, you should. I just to out the fact that based on the fact that we had to change the name and make the paint company, I feel like the story has lost some of its oomph. Well, you well, could have just that, said that it was a company with, with my name, honestly. But if what would you the people say, be calling for? Well, can I, can I tell the real story and cut it? Well, no. I mean, we know the real story. The real story is it's... it's, it's Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've now we've now successfully <laughs> told the real story. But because we have to hide PS's identity, which by the way she left my job occupation in episode twenty six, so we'll have to cut that too. <laughs> I just enjoy it because you're you're the queen of removing everything identifying, and you left in that whole bit. <laughs> well, see, I didn't think you cared. Oh, I oh yeah. I mean, I don't want to leave that in there because you know the t- the Tea Party people will come after me. Hey, hey. <laughs> You've got two of us on the line. Yeah, well, exactly. well, yeah. Oh god, we're almost outnumbered. <laughs> well, we are. Actually, when's Cog getting here? I don't know. Cog doesn't seem like a tea party. I don't know. I doubt it. I really doubt it. Oh, by the way, I, I will say I think um, Christine O'Donnell is a crackpot. But apparently, I think Christine O'Donnell is more hilarious than Sarah Palin. She had a um, an interview tonight with the Democrat running against her, and apparently, at one point, he made a comment. He made a comment about her, and she looked at him and deadpan, "You're just mad because you weren't on Saturday Night Live." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And then he had a good line, too. She gave her view on immigration, and he looked at the at the moderator, who's a reporter. He's like, if you can figure out what the hell she just meant, you're a better reporter than I ever gave you credit for. <laughs> that was line, you so. don't win too many points by insulting the moderator, though. Yeah, but he, he gets one vote. <laughs> so I think you actually... Plus, he can lose a few votes and still win. So. Alright, so uh, we actually have a manageable number of episodes tonight. I think we have five. Oh my god. Yeah, we're going from and episode Aaron still couldn't get through the five. 
we're Eric. going from knives to the end of the season, which yep. I forget the name of that episode, but okay. it's the I was end of the I was going to provide the numbers episode maybe seventeen. Six. Maybe six, because knives I believe was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Knives was what? Six episodes. Six episodes. Alright, so why don't we jump into it because we're starting late. I'll okay. just try and keep an eye out for Cog and if we see her we'll yank her in. Alright. You ready? Okay. Go? Very good. Yes. I what's up? No, nothing. What? I was, I was ready to start, and then I realized we hadn't done the intro yet, so I Catherine, stopped. Catherine, you sound like echoey and stuff. You sound echoey. You know- <laughs> Catherine's like yo, mama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the snore is back. Puffwa is back. I was there at the dawn of the second season of the Puffwa Exchange. It was a port of call for fans from a hundred fandoms. It could be a dangerous place. Accepted the risk because the proof for exchange was our last best hope for conversation. This is our story. Hey, and welcome back to the Puff for Exchange. This is Ryan. I'm Death Roll. I'm PS. I'm Catherine. Now, in PS's cell phone, it actually does say death roll next to his name. Yes. As we've discussed earlier, it says, though. It says death roll. It, it does not actually, say, it says death. It just says death. death. <laughs> That's really kind of morbid. If you're really down in the dumps, call death. I could see, like, a, <laughs> I no wonder one, if I got, like, killed when they think I had... We'll see. It's D-E-T-H, not D-A-T-H. We, we, should, we should seriously, seriously, seriously try and find a way to, like, make a jingle about that and just have death roll just, like, smiling at the end. I think it would be a fabulous commercial. God, this reminds me of the, the Photoshop I've seen where they've got the Bop Dip aliens, the Martians from Sesame Street. Yep, 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 yep. Working the suicide prevention hotline. Call up. <laughs> I want to kill myself. Yep, 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 yep. I think everyone here has seen it. I made a 23-minute home video when Jen and Lee came to visit Danielle and I. And yes, I've seen it. You've seen it. And there's a bit... I can't put it on Facebook because apparently I monologued for too much and I can't get it under the wire. There's a bit where Melinda Leo's boat, we had to abandon the boat or we got beached on like the nicest sandbar ever. Like there was wine available. It was, it was awesome. And like... In, a sandbar? It was... A, yeah. <laughs> had wine available. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And, Can and I we, get a boom tish? And we get off, but based on the way, I hadn't shown, like, the footage of, of just how close we were to civilization, so for a second, it looks like we're actually marooned on this island, and you see Death Roll with his pant legs, like, pulled up to his knee, just, like, walking around aimlessly, and he's the epitome <laughs> of, I'm lost on a desert island. Every time I think of Death Roll now, I picture him wandering aimlessly on a sandbar. Great, just, great. As long as you don't put me on the island from Lost, because I haven't seen the show. You no spoilers! I'm not going to... Do you know I still get messages from people? Hi, Ryan. I want you to know I just finished Puffwa and Rena spoiled it for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, Rena will be... I'm the glad I don't... I'm glad that I don't remember what it was that Rena spoiled because I had probably been a little not... Drunk. You were drunk. I had... Drunk. Okay, yes. And so as a result... The reindeer I'm are not... back. I'm sorry. The reindeer are back. They are. Well, here's the thing. Oh, here's the thing. You found a reindeer living in your house. Oh, no, I could hear it. I think it's probably, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just this, it's probably this mic that it <laughs> okay, is. I, I was kind of losing I mean, interest there, buddy. <laughs> You're like, it's probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Either. Looking around the room for things it could possibly be, it's probably. Mic it's face of the moon. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell it is. Uh, yeah, I have asbestos I mean, in the ceiling. Um, yeah. Well, see, this is. This is the like the cell phone mic. The it sounds like its name is Mike. I was sounds like you 
put Mike in your phone, okay, and now so he's talking I was to just you. watching with Danielle an old episode of I Love Lucy, and she got her head stuck in something. Like, she got her head stuck in, like, the window of, like, a cruise ship, and there's a deck right outside, so people are walking by, and her head's just sticking out. And they were trying to, like, use... Like, like Colonial Williamsburg? Yes, and they were trying to use a blowtorch to, like, cut the wall of the room out to get her out, and they packed her in this asbestos suit while they were using the, and I just, I'm like, wow, it actually says asbestos and big leathers on the side. And it's, you wonder why she died. Oh, I saw something the other day that, well, I don't remember what it was, but it, it, you know, treated asbestos casually. What was that? It could have been anything. If we don't have time to talk about Fall of Night tonight, it's going to be because we spent too much time talking about asbestos, which is unfortunate. Well, no, but yeah, anyway, I think the, the reindeer come from just the mic, probably. It's just. There's reindeer living inside your microphone. No, I think okay. it's just the sound of breathing. Okay, so because otherwise, I mean, I'll honestly, I mean, I'm. It, can Can you guys still hear me? <laughs> yeah. Where, where are you? Can you hear? Yeah. Can you hear the reindeer? I'm moving. I'm trying to figure out if I can get the reindeer to stop. Okay. Well, you go into negotiations with the reindeer. I recommend signing a strong non-aggression pact, and we'll see if we can solve the reindeer. Well, if, if you don't care, then I'll aggression as I was doing. I have a non-aggression you pact with the with the woodchuck that lives in my backyard. It's held for five years. <laughs> if you don't care, I'll just do as I've been doing, and we'll have reindeer. Because or if you can move your 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 face three degrees to port and not have reindeer, I mean that'd work too. So that's what I was trying to figure out, but I don't. I can't tell if I have reindeer. I need you to tell me what's going on. Well, why like, you move your face three degrees to port, and if I hear. But reindeer, is it getting too quiet? Like I swear to I, I swear <laughs> to God, I'm trying to figure this out. You. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you doing to make it quiet? I'm moving it away. I have a question. Couldn't you guys have figured this out while we were watching the last episode? It didn't really come Period, up. But... It didn't come up. I watched the episode of Frasier where Roz finds out she's pregnant. It was wonderful. <laughs> so, and, and I have no idea what episodes we're discussing tonight. I actually Knives. We're going to jump in. We're gonna How about do... now? How about now? Reindeer now? Oh, God. She's the freaking Verizon guy. There's no reindeer right Would now. You, I'm doing a sound check. This is for your benefit. <laughs> I appreciate you that. Sound fine, you sound fine, Pete. fabulous. Let's move on Catherine with her life. sounds like she's in the trunk of a car, but she's about to snore. And we love she it. does. I mean, like I said, like I thought, like if we don't, like I say, I mean, if we don't care, I'll stop doing this. Okay, stop doing this. Okay. Okay. So we're discussing knives, confessions, and lamentations, divided loyalties, long twilight struggle, come the Inquisitor, and the fall of night. I just did that from memory. That's pathetically geeky, sir. Snap! Look at that. All right. Now, well, it's not that like, there's that many episodes. There's not, but there's some stuff that happens. Yeah, but he's already finished rewatching the series. <laughs> Unfortunately, now we've—I've been talking to PS now. Last week, I have—I have memory of discussing things in last week's episode that everyone tells me we actually didn't talk about. Because so, you and I personally discussed it. Well, we did personally discuss it. Now, PS had some issues with season two. We've discussed that. Now, the thing with PS is PS is such a nice person over there in the corner. When she thinks we all like something and she doesn't like it, she doesn't want to like disappoint us or make us feel bad. So she sits in the corner and kind of like huddles to herself and sings "Kumbaya." I just used that as an expression for something recently, and Death Roll pointed it out to me. Something about "Kumbaya." Actually, you didn't specifically say that. I made it up to convey the general point. You did, however, mention the Care Bear Stare. The Care Bear Stare. Why did I do that? Do we remember? Um, no idea. Could, it could have been anything. So we're, we're going to try about Star Trek. We're going to try to pull out PS's feelings on exactly why she doesn't like season two tonight. She kind of has the idea, the idea, the idea, the idea in her head, but she doesn't have the verbs to go with it. So we're going to try and help her articulate that position, which will be great because I think 
I don't know about Catherine, but I know Death Roll and I love season two. Aaron loves what of season two he's seen so far, and there's nobody else in the room. So we're going to try and get through that. I just have one question because I'm going to forget to ask it. Okay. When Danielle and I watched from last week In the Shadow of Zaha Doom. I don't know why we, it's not there. Okay. We watched In the Shadow of Zaha Doom, and then we watched Knives. And the reason we did that was on the DVD, one comes before the other. Yeah. And Danielle made the comment, and she's actually here now, maybe she'll remember. She made the comment watching Knives that it seemed very strange, like a character learned something in, in the shadow of Zahadum and then unlearned it for Knives. It was, it was kind of like Harry in, in every Harry Potter novel there is. And <laughs> the reason for that is Knives was originally supposed to come first, and, the, and you were supposed to get that glimpse of Anna Sheridan's ship exploding in the CIC cockpit, or in the CIC window, and then get her in the next episode. So there was something that seemed weird, and I can't remember what it was. Did you guys notice anything watching Knives that seemed... No, but, I mean, Not the... I'm looking... Well, I see her point in that. The Lurker's Guide has no reference to this. Well, no, the order was reversed, but there was something that really showed... Well, in the, the Shadows of Zaha Dune, you find that the ship had landed safely, more or less, and all the people were, were killed. It's not that the ship exploded in space, but in Knives... Sheridan sees the ship exploding in space, so that might be what you guys picked no, it was up. Actually, it was something from Sheridan's... It was like the characterization of Sheridan. It was like... I get what happened, because you can see, if you look at the at the um, the production numbers, right. Knives is 216, and In the Shadow of Zaha Doom is 217. But there's something so like evident. Them. Like, in Knives... I just can't remember... Yeah, I can't remember, and I, and I hope it comes to me, and if anyone listening to this knows, email us or go on the forum, because there's something in Knives, like, a, there's a character point with Sheridan, I can't remember what the hell it is, and we remember thinking, watching it in reverse order, which is how you're supposed to watch it, because they air that in reverse order, something doesn't click, Sheridan kind of reverses himself for a week, because it was shown out of sequence, But so there's something there that didn't work, but... Uh, damned if I know what the hell it was, but it's something I think to do with Sheridan. So. Well, it, well, it does say, actually, it says, um, actually the chronological order, I'm reading from the JMS Speaks portion of yeah. Knives. Actually, the chronological order was supposed to be Knives, then Zaha Doom. Yep. In Knives, you get the reminder about Anna, then in Zaha Doom you get the payoff. This yeah, was know, originally... Yeah. I think it would be like, in Zaha Doom was a big focus on it, and Knives, they probably mentioned it offhand. Well, there's a, re- there's a little reference it. to it that you're yeah. not supposed to understand. Yeah, there was a reference to it, but right. like it was kind of... I, I, remember, I think I remember now. It was just a reference to it, and it just sort of like it wasn't you know big enough to be totally confusing but it was more like well if he found i mean did he was he there for the last episode <laughs> and i get that in, in the way you watch it you get that you get all the info about zaha doom about Anna and Zaha Doom, and then you get a reminder in the next episode. What it was supposed to be was, was the reminder yeah. that you knew yeah. nothing about because you had no way of knowing right. what the hell he's looking at. And then in the next episode, you get the payoff. I get that. Yeah, I think it's more of a thing that's like, it doesn't have the same That's not what I'm impact. talking about, though. There's something else. It's like, it's basically like in, in Knives, Sheridan learns a lesson. So then in Zaha Doom, having just learned that lesson, he's a different It looks character. like he's forgotten it. Yeah, it reverses. It, it just, yeah, that's what I was talking saying. talking about the I mean, one moment of perfect beauty. That's the only thing he learned, per se. Was that, that was Zaha Doom, right? Or that was Knives? That, that was in... Neither. Yeah, that was later. Or before. So, jumping back into it. I thought Knives was a terrible episode. You know, I, thought I didn't mind great. it. I, never I liked wa- it. I, now, here's the thing. I'm watching with P.S. Like, P.S., I'm, I'm monitoring her movement through through season two, and this is around the point she watched Zaha Doom from last Was This guy. this was the day of hell, I'll have you know. This was the one where I watched them all in one day. 
and with you one of them. and was crying. <laughs> yes. Well, she watched Saha Doom. I'm like, wasn't Saha Doom amazing? You learn all this backstory. And she's like, what backstory? I didn't catch any backstory. I'm like, the entire episode was exposition and backstory. And like one really great scene where everything talks about Winston Churchill. And she's like, I didn't catch any backstory, but I wasn't paying attention because I, I can't stand the show. And then she's like, I'm going to go watch Knives now. And I'm like, that's going to literally kill her because Knives, I, is, I think, is a terrible episode. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Then she's watching all the episodes that I love and she's not enjoying them. I'm like, I think she's like reverse polarity Star Trek woman. Because every episode I thought you would hate, you liked. And every episode I thought you would love, you hated. So. I think I must just be the reverse Ryan. I, I think, think that just, we just must, I mean, he's a man, I'm a woman. That's, oh, that's you know. sweet. You two complete each other. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. She's like anti-matter woman. It's like every episode I thought she would. Maybe you're anti-matter. How do you know? How do you know maybe you're anti-matter and I matter? Because I think I probably fall. Go ahead. Go say, say that you matter more than she does. No, I think. Of Babylon 5 fans, most fans would agree with me, hence we're Babylon 5 fans. Of most Babylon 5 critics, maybe they would go with you more. I mean, I think it's just, it's like finding a battle. I like this episode. He doesn't like 33. You like I your, like it too. Knives? Okay. Yes. Knives? And I will tell you why. Okay, because they play baseball. I love the that view. And they are doing this without batting helmets. I just thought of a comment for the Lost Tales, but we're not there yet. Um, the... Why, episode, why do that? Why did you even say that? Because there's, I have a. Because when he just said without helmets, it reminded me of a comment I can't wait to make. To well, you know, they also. It says. Did you read the thing about the Coriolis effect? Is that what it's called? The, is it the Coriolis effect? Coriolis, Coriolis. effect. Okay. Sorry, Coriolis, whatever. The thing, the thing that makes the toilet flush Coriolis in different effect. directions here. In, is that true? Yes. Did we ask Keza? Do you want me to have her flush her toilet? You don't need to ask Keza. You can just ask the scientist. And there are two of us here in the room. One and a half. Catherine has no voice. Mr. Science, (laughs) since that's what I called you before, tell us about the Coriolis effect, Mr. Science. Well, you had it correct. It it causes the toilet to flush the other way. Exactly. All right. Well, it also made baseball interesting. Well, if it... I have a... Let me just put it this way. If the episode was about which direction the toilet flushes on Babylon 5, I may have enjoyed the episode more. <laughs> because what we got was Sheridan is possessed by something body I, I didn't know what it was, but it reminded me an awful lot of a Vorlon. It, it, Actually, I preferred the Londo plot. That's why I enjoyed the episode. Yeah, like the Londo plot was a lot. Well, it was actually funny because I'm watching it with PS, and I believe this is the point where you're like, oh, great, he's being kidnapped again. Like, it's this ridiculous. Yes, he's plot. being kidnapped and I'm again. Like, just wait, he's really not. That plotline, I will give you, was, was very good, and I like the twist at the end when you find out that his friend did the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I loved the Londo plotline. I just. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, again, and, I found he's getting kidnapped again, rather tedious. Yeah, and the politics with Lord Rifa and how Rifa, you know. Did yeah. you notice how Lord Rifa is u- trying to use the same old school Centauri accent? He's yes. To, yeah, he's trying. Yes, to sound he's old. trying to sound like Londo. There's yeah. a guy who's on the show. I don't think he's there yet. He's definitely on in the fifth season. But he, you are way, way spoiling, my friend. You know, fifth there, season. You no, know, there's a guy. There's a guy in the fifth season. I figured in the fifth season you would figure there's a guy who has a voice. I mean, I didn't think that was. What story. are you going to tell us? But he him. has the most political sounding voice in the world, and I don't know what, what the hell does that mean. He, he sounds like a smarmy politician. And I can make a firm pledge under my plan: no family making less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year will see any form of tax increase. Not your income tax, not your payroll tax, 
not your capital gains taxes, not any of your taxes. And it reminds me of sometimes how Rifa tries to convey himself. It's, so I'm actually curious. I'm gonna be. I was ta- I was just talking about how it sounds like the Rifa actor is trying to sound like Pure Jurassic. Yeah, he's trying to like, try like force like a. Story yeah, but it sound, but then it, like I'm saying, it winds up like sounding like me trying to sound like Londo, and then I actually sound like fake Dracula accent. Well, I try so. and sound like Londo. I sound like Homer Simpson. I mean, that's why we have death. <laughs> yes, that that is why I am here. But Our good and dear friend. You, you talk about the uh, the accent, and yes, JMS he calls it the old court accent uh, that the the nobility would use, and it's sort of fallen by the wayside. But there are a few of the old. Guys are the old Republicans who still remember this way of speaking and, and try to use Mondo it. Mondo is a Republican. You know, We've been, been over this. What would have been great? I started talking like Jen when she was here for a week, and I know that I, some people who like go to Ireland for a long time start speaking with an Irish accent. I would love at the end of the five years or the four years or the three years or however long Peter Jurassic is on the show, if everyone sounded like Londo by the end. But I think it would be funny if accent. Peter Jurassic started like Londo. <laughs> well, I told you, he even sometimes like he, he mows the like lawn and waving to Bob. Sometimes, you know, I think he slips into Londo. I'd like to order a pizza. <laughs> Death, would you mind? Because that was horrible. What do you mean you want me to order a pizza? See, could you imagine if he's mowing his lawn and just he's waving at Bob next door and he slips into <laughs> Londo and Bob goes running because he saw what happened to the Narn? Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> Um, the only other thing I have to say about this episode is that John is apparently on acid because he, he starts seeing all the this light emerging from people's faces and see that would be an interesting plot twist. Like in the in the in probably the stupidest episode of the series, there's a great secondary plot that actually means a lot. So you need the episode in the series. I mean, the one thing this episode does convey in terms of any arc is it brings us to the rift in Sector 14, where I believe we find out Babylon 4. Yeah, we already knew about Babylon. On for here, Michael gives John the information on it, even though all official copies were turned over to Earth Force. Michael kept a copy because he never knows when he might want to write his memoirs. I love that man. It's great. He's awesome. And he gives it to John and he goes, I think the whole point is to remind us that there's something funny going on out here in Sector 14. Which and I, th- I think it's going to get play later on. Which it, it's 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 definitely important. And I mean, that's really the only th- I mean, John being invaded by the body snatcher who wants to go back. And I mean, there's a great moment where Garibaldi follows him and Garibaldi kind of like holds his head over the toilet of spatial. Yes, I mean, yes, nothing, that's great. I mean, that's pretty much all you have there. And it shows it's refreshing not to use the tractor beam, isn't it? It's like, yes, holy it- crap, I got to. <laughs> Picturing Garibaldi with one eye closed, like I'm. Yeah, and the automatic grapple, it can't lock on, so he's got to do it manually. <laughs> I love that. And they've got, he's got to, li- seriously, it's like those things at Friendlies where you would put it in the quarter and you have to, like, catch the little stuffed the animal. Claw. The cl- it's the claw thing. Do you see the thing he has to grab onto in the back of the side? It's like this little round knob. Like, grab that with the. Like, well, okay. it's put in there expressly for the purpose of being grabbed, I think. Well, there's a, there's a thing in the uh, blooper reel from, I think, season two where they show a star. Fury and it's got like literally like a twist on the back of it, so it's like they wind it up and it just flies. If they had that big loop on the back, I don't of think it, that's why that's there. It's because they hang in the thing. The, the thing, the thing that makes them go. When they launch they the Star Furies, they drop them from this sort of arm thing where they're apparently hooked. They could be, and uh, that's yeah. what it is. And it's not because they it. wind it up; it goes with gas. Oh no, I knew they didn't wind it up. They have a joke is one of the of the blooper reel they did. The CGI of a spider uh, has it's like it has, it's like a wind up toy. Okay, knives. Is there anything else? In the no, I'm um, all, all, all. The only thing, uh, Sus- 
two things, actually. Yes. Susan is worried that things are going too well. It's a very Russian attitude. <laughs> and Veer has what the Earthers would call a negative personality. <laughs> I don't see him having a negative personality so much as being very realistic about the situation that he's found yes. himself in. Yeah. It's not his fault that the situation that he finds himself in sucks. I don't remember the situation he found himself in, and I'm a big fan of the show. In fairness, though, I've only seen this episode once. Okay. I you mean the, the whole situation with, with Mr. Mr. Morden. Morden. Evil man and the whole conflict that he's privy to? That doesn't ring any bells to you? Tell me this is the episode. Did you where... watch the episode, Ryan? Oh, my God, come on. Is this, is this on. the episode with the wave? Is this, yeah, that's what I was saying. Okay, I kept talking about this moment in the last podcast a thousand times. That we'll need to this is not the moment in, in this episode. Yeah. This is... But it's still the same situation. It continues for multiple yeah. episodes. All right, this is, this is the angst over Laundra's relationship with Mr. Morden. Yes. Okay. Megan sounds like he's in love with him. <laughs> Turn around. Oh, God. <laughs> the dropped plot line of, of uh, Mr. Moore in there. Thank God for that. Never Although, I, I will, since we're talking about that meeting, I will just jump in here and say I love how Morden gives Veer the finger as he holds up the data crystal. Oh, I totally missed I didn't that. notice tell, that. Go back that. and oh. watch episode 16. He totally gives him the finger. We're going to go back and do that. Remind me, though, is this the plot line where we see um, Veer's plot arc advance? I'll put it that way in case some way. No. That's no, it is not. That's season three. This is the episode that starts off Londo and Veer are debating Centauri Opera in the elevator and they come yes. out of the elevator and they're singing back and forth. Yes. And then Urza shows up to. Kill, sure. pretend to kill Londo and okay, ensues. Now, can I just say something about Londo and about Garibaldi in these episodes? You must always, you? There's, I really must. There's moments in all of our lives where we do something dramatic, and it's either that thing that you get together and you all laugh at, or it's the moment in your life where you made that one fatal mistake and you ended up doing 15 to 20. Okay, he runs up behind Londo and pretends to kill him. If Londo were like armed, he'd be dead. So there's there's that. And then you not have the moment. Really, later, he had a knife to his throat. Yes, I mean that's not exactly haha. What if, if you were there able to yell help police like yes. Garibaldi, who is essentially help police? Now, in fairness, I don't think he thought that Veer was packing, and that's the one thing that I think probably saves that situation. I can't imagine Veer with any sort of weapon. Well, he would I think shoot Veer Lon- would shoot himself he in the shoot, face. It's himself on the foot and then shoot Londo in like the, like the kidneys. It would be awful. You have to donate. But then later on, I know I'm jumping ahead, but the moment where Garibaldi plays a little prank and then says, boo, just kidding. He should have been shot in the head. I'm just pointing out. <laughs> I get it's the Jerry Doyle thing. But then what would have been funny is if they shoot Garibaldi, right? And they're like, hoo-hoo, we got him. And then Talia walks in and, ah, oh, Captain, I'm here for exposition. And then she goes down. They're all going to be like, well, she Holy would crap, because they would think that Michael was the control. What you're talking about is a really good AU fic, and you should write it. I really should. And we're going to get to the fic that you enjoy by the end of the podcast. We'll, we'll give some. Actually, we should wait until 
next until we're completely done with the series. But anyway, <laughs> but I think that was now. Here's the thing. Yeah, that's true because then then if, Lita if you do stand. write this big, you do have to come up with better dialogue for Talia than I'm here for exposition. Hi, Captain. I'm here for uh, yes, yes, because you never. <laughs> and that is where the plots diverge. The, <laughs> thank God, Leah scanned her because she had no idea how she was going to finish that sentence. But you could, that's great because then Lita doesn't scan Talia because Garibaldi is obviously the. Oh, the, I, I just think that'd be fabulous. So Ryan yeah. is overwhelmed by his own brilliance. I am. I, yeah. I need to calm down. All right. You, you welcome to my world, my friend. Yes. All right. Blown away. Blown away. So speaking of blowing, Boom, the, this is a tie into the beginning of next episode. Uh, you blow out candles. And I've noticed there's a lot of candles and incense just all over the place in various private quarters. And all I can think is they must not have m- very many smoke detectors. I was, I was allowed to burn candles in an apartment building. Like, they're allowed to burn candles on a spaceship, I mean, a space station. Uh, and smoke and, and With all this recirculating air. You know, like, and I would think I, that the, the smoke is getting recirculated in things. Well, I'm sure they have books. HEPA filters or something, but it's just a shocking lapse in safety standards. Everyone in green sector has emphysema by the time this entire thing is over. It's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's where the air goes. Exactly. That's where the, goes, the air comes from. It goes down below. Nobody cares. <laughs> down below, going downtown. Um, yeah, downtown. downtown. Okay, oh, we have to put the clip in there. because Yes. Now, this is the episode where they realized the Marcab masks had to go back to the rental agency and they needed to explain why there were no marcaps on the show for the rest of the time. But in actuality... Yeah, I, yeah, I like this episode, but it is shockingly fast. It is like... <laughs> yeah, that will, The entire marcap race dies. is exterminated in, in, in like the span of three days. In the span of three days, they, they lose all of the marcap and they have the pricky humans at the end at the bar joking about it. And I was waiting for Franklin to like overturn tables here. You have Well actually I like how he just downs his drink, says it never changes and walks away. Well it's more realistic. I mean but, who it's, goes been, but it's not like species go extinct like er, every day. Yeah. Well I mean the, they do say that they're not extinct, but for all purposes their civilization is gone. Right. There's I thought few, they were extinct. No, there's a few isolated pockets. But not. It, it, I, I mean, mean like, they would go extinct. There's probably not enough to sustain the Markabs. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's Battlestar Markab out there somewhere, and there's like 50 of them. <laughs> we must find her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <We will laughs> they show up and they realize there's people living on there. Oh my god. <laughs> that seems oddly familiar too, but it's like, Jesus. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> would you guys please stop talking BSG? I don't think Catherine has seen it. That's fine. Uh, well, if she's seen the opening credits, I'm sure she's following. Which nope. I, whoops. So No one likes you, by the way. Oh my god! Just, just pointing it out. I'm like the lost guy all of a sudden. I'm like spoiling lost. This was not a big spoiler. This is like spoiling that Babylon Five is about a space station and it's the fifth one. Yeah. Oh my god! Really? Shit. See, that's what she was like to me in the first episode, and I thought she was being snarky, but then after a while, I realized it's just because we're tight. Yo, so we find <laughs> So this is also the episode where Delenn says Ooh. to Sheridan. This is really this episode is when Delenn Sheridan kind of. Kicks off. Kicks off. Yeah, you, you can tell that when she's stroking his face and it's like, "I will see you in a place where no shadows fall." Write that line down. You might hear it again. But I mean, that's. I mean, that's pretty much where where they begin. And there were there were you know some obvious clues it was going in that direction earlier in the season. Anvil-sized hints. Well, yeah, she's like, I, I really see this one coming like a freight train. And I think for one of your freight trains, you were wrong, though, so I was amused by that, but... 
for most of them. I mean, it's not nine oh two one oh. I mean, they're pretty clear on where they want to where where Joe. Well, granted, I think Jeff. I think I said Jeff Delenn was a freight train. I wasn't expecting that Jeff would disappear from the show. Well, Jeff Delenn was supposed to be a freight train in the in the. This is basically the replacement freight train. This wasn't far from a story you will find in a book. Hot off the platter and boy can she cook. Roast in my body, you left a stain in my brain. And all I kept saying to myself was. Yeah, although like, I like went to the train went off the track, so they sent another one. Well, I don't think that you really can argue that Sheridan is the replacement Jeff. I, I think that Je- no, I would he, prefer he's Jeff. not. He's Jeff is the original Sheridan, is, is how I would prefer to look at it. But, yeah. So I like Jeff better. Yeah. Well, Jeff's not in the episode, no, but you know not. who is? Mark Keffer. Keffer is also. <laughs> Mark Ke- <laughs> Keffer is in the episode. It's a character. Mark Ab. I, I love how he's going out into hyperspace looking for the shadow ship, and he's like, there's something out there. And Susan's like, yes, and there's something in here. That something is me giving you a direct order. If there's any part of this that you didn't understand, Lieutenant. <laughs> well, the thing is, when you think of going out into hyperspace, it seems very beautiful, and you can picture someone going out there with an easel and painting because it's so it, it, it's colorful and it's all this. But stuff. it's red, which means it's evil, right? But no, there's an there's an episode coming up later where the show actually. Would got you the stop budget. talking about the future? No, but what I'm saying is the reality is okay. Like in C and C, you're living in the past, man. No, here's the deal in C and C, you know that window of on we're living in the now it's supposed to be the, the stars are supposed to be rotating you know why they don't they don't have a budget but in reality when nirvana was looking out that window where the stars clearly aren't moving just pretend they're moving just very 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 slowly because the station breaks. well you would you wouldn't notice it by looking at it it's not like it's a merry-go-round right like hyperspace is supposed to be like being stuck in like a massive current of crap like literally that is what hyperspace is supposed to be like so i'm always amused in these episodes with like why are you spending so much time in hyperspace if hyperspace looked like it does in season two two-dimensionally i would spend time in hyperspace because i think it looks it's, it's a great shot and it just seems tranquil but the you're thing, weird i know and so are you but the thing i like is that <laughs> hyperspace in the show is supposed to be this horrible place and that's supposed to i think play more into keffer's characterization here that he wants to spend time in that place he's like, completely right well i don't think he nuts. wants to spend time there so much as he's looking for looking whatever for, he's it was obsessed he saw. With looking for this thing if they he, had he's more looking a, for his white whale yes if they had more of a cgi budget i think hyperspace would look like a very 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 fierce place where you could be killed in an instant and i think that would probably i would think if that thing was flying around in there i would worry about being killed in an instant yeah Mm-hmm. That's just my other thing, because the, the hyperspace we get in the series is like this two-dimensional space with, with some clouds. It's misty. It's very it cool. looks like a cloudy day with a red filter over the Exactly, and, that, and that's it. So that, that was the only point I had there. Plus, it's Kefir, and he has big hair, so he can really... He do does. He has total... Giant sh- hair. He really does. It's kind of scary. And then in, this is jumping ahead to the last episode for tonight, but you actually get to see him in the locker room putting on his flight suit, and he was supposed to be the eye candy, so ladies, enjoy. Oh, I, I didn't really enjoy that, that much. Well, they gave it. you the eye candy, and then, um, yeah, th- he did. <laughs> so that, that Seriously. Well, he appeared in like three episodes. He was supposed to be the sex appeal. They were acting like he was supposed to be a main character because he got in the opening credits. Everyone got in the opening credits in season two. The thing was 19 hours long. Like every person, like Markab was in the opening credits. <laughs> Markab. <laughs> Mr. Markab. Mar-Cab. It's like, what's his name? The, the Narn who we, we see again and again in, in, 
Narn number two. The Narn. Yeah. <laughs> is this, is the, I think we call him the Narn. The guy that was kidnapped with no, Sheridan. They don't, they don't even get the definite article, the. It's just Narn. 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 No, Markab is just Markab. The fun Narn fact, is the Narn. Fun fact, Bruce Boxleitner cannot say Narn. He says Narn. Like, he puts, like, 14 <laughs> extra like, ends in there. So watch him on the blooper reel. He's like, Narn. Cool. We'll have to... No, 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 Narn. So they kill all the Markab. Markab is Arabic for boat. And fun fact, when I'm watching Come the Inquisitor with Danielle, she's like, what is this st- this part of the station where Jack is taking everybody? I'm like, that's where the Markab died, because it's the same door. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They'll never look for us here. So I just thought that well, it's a multi-purpose They, they described story. the uh, the place as being isolated away from everybody else. <laughs> and well, it was isolated, and nobody wants to go there because it's haunted by the spirits of dead Markab children and stuff. Because you're like, there's a guy in the corner with a squeegee because it's just Mickey in there now, because like, the entire Markab population died in this. I'm sure they cleaned it up. Yeah, I'm sure. Get the spore cleanse. Windex. (laughs) I have a theory, and it's not about Markab. Reverse the air filter, all the smoke from the candles pours into the room. That's how they recycled it. What's your theory? I can say this, because that's in this episode. Delenn saw Kosh when she was little. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that was... Okay. I thought you were going to say she saw Kosh, like, in the room, and and I was sure... No. No, this has nothing to do with Markab. So you think Delenn saw Kosh when she was little? Yeah. Now, that's the story, remind me, that's the story about the little girl. She got lost when she was a little girl, and she wandered someplace, and then she saw, I think she, it's just like a very, like, protective sort of spirit, like a light being. And the whatever says to her that I will not allow harm to come to my little ones here in my great house. And then the door opens, and then there's her parents, and everything is happy. Could have been Kosh. Very well could have been. Could have been someone with a flashlight. Could have been anyone. <laughs> Could have been the night security guy. Little, exactly. little, little Delenn was just confused. <laughs> little Delenn was tired. She was very. She walked along up the stairs. I mean, come on. She's yeah. little. And I have to say, like the actress who played the little Marquette girl, I think she's a kid. Act, little kids as actors are questionable. Like if they have lines. I'm a person, and my name is Anakin. Like, mm-hmm. I can spoil it. But the little scene, I think, where she, was a, oh, that, that was so sad. Really it really like, was. But, I love like, how uh, I want. I'd like to break that down. Actually, there she's become separated from her her mom. Her father's dead. Which the poor kid's traumatized, so you can excuse any bad acting on the part of the actress. But she's can't find her her mama and Delenso. Oh, what's her name? Mama. Mama. And it's that like, was okay, adorable. I have a, I have a better question. What's your name? Attention, Markab. <laughs> we are looking like for a, the mother of. It's like a blue light special. Seriously, um, you know what? I think in, there's a lot of like t- I I was talking to PS earlier about um, you know this show being on the air in 1994 with the show had been on the air in the same way in 2010 and how has the world changed? Like I watched the event the other night. I think like there were 19 executions in the episode I saw. I mean the TV it, like there's no more places to push the envelope because pretty much it's throw everything you can at the viewer and try and get them to come back next week. Like, like television has really changed. At the time, with a lot of sci-fi, especially like Star Trek's, the episode would be, Markab, get foot fungus. They all gonna die by six. 
you know, Crusher will find the magic cure and she will race down the hallway and she will pump it into the airflow system and Markab will get off the ground and she has saved us. And that's kind of the type of show you had. Whereas here, they get there and we know what to do and they open the door and everybody's dead. Yeah. And they- it's not a hopeful no. sort of thing. Whereas at the end of every Star Trek episode, except for the two-parters and whatnot, you know, the, the crisis is solved. Everyone feels good about themselves and we all go home to tune in next week. Right. And it's, yeah, but now we know what to do. It happens again. Right. And, but well, then, it won't happen again. Well, it, actually, it could. Or in Star the, Trek. The Pacmara. Or in Star Trek, you, you, you run out. Okay, they all died here, but we can we can save everyone else in the universe. You come out. We're CNN live from Markab. Everybody's dead here, too. So it's like it, there's nothing. It's like you got the cure, but it doesn't mean a damn thing. And that's. It'll keep the Pakmara from dying yes, off, well, thank which God. is a very, very good thing because the carrion eaters are important. Yes, we need the Pakmara because we spent way too much on their makeup. To, to- <laughs> we did. We really did. And they were makeup, not not masks. Exactly. Pac-Mara yes. Porn dry up. It would be awful. But we, we uh, need to give back the Markab masks. Before, before we go anywhere else, uh, we've got Star Trek and Markab. It, it Something is telling me that the word Markab comes out of Star Trek somewhere, but I don't I said know it's the Arabic for boat. No I didn't ask like about a, Arabic. Like I heard you, but like a, is, is, yeah, is it a real boat or a boat boat? I think it's a boat boat. <laughs> I just enjoy the fact that, that, that Death Roll and I were on the boat of Melinda Leo and it broke. It <laughs> I sent her a message to, to say, hey, Melinda, how's your boat? And she's like, grrr. It, it had nothing to do with you, nothing to do with me, entirely to do with McVeigh. Jen broke Melinda Leo's boat. It was tragic. It was terrible. She did. Could have been killed. We were almost ran out of wine. Luckily, Melinda Drake. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, so, and, and that's the sh- Now, four shows I've seen this week. And hold, hold on. I, I, that was actually a serious question. Does the, question? the Markab appear in Star Trek Lizard anywhere? Memory Alpha Markab, common spelling. No. Okay. I'm, hold I'm on. A sp- Uncommon spelling. Okay, okay. Markab means absolutely nothing. Means I'm nothing. taking some of Sheridan's acid, evidently, so carry on. There's a star called Markab. There is. Aha! There's also a USS Markab. It's one of ours. Why do you know this? Because I just Googling. Googled Markab. Ah. Thank God, because sometimes we call her the brain, and she just knows the stuff, so I'm glad. when she- Her Google foo is strong. Markab can refer to the following stars. Markab is a species in the fictional Babylon 5 universe. Oh. I'm glad we know that Babylon 5 is fictional. I Markab read- is an alternate spelling of the Syrian castle Marget. Markab Confederacy, spelled with a C, is a galactic civilization in Scientology. You know, I read a thing once. They were talking <laughs> about the, they were talking about the, the Babylon Markab 5. are Scientologists. <laughs> The Mark Hammer alien souls. In some episodes, talking about the Babylon 5 universe and how, based on all the references in the show, it takes place, the the series uses the entire universe. Like, you know, and, and, like, we've discovered everything in the universe. In some episodes, you know, the Babylon 5 universe is a very small corner. They actually reference there actually really is a star Markab, but there's no way that's where the race actually comes from, which was tragic. <laughs> there's, there's that's few, funny. There's a few Markabs there. So, but again, uh, four episodes of TV shows I've seen this week that kill everyone off by the end, so Babylon 5 was a trailblazer again, because they killed everybody first. Yay! <laughs> Death! Okay, yes, I'm yes, here. To Markab. But it's a long way away. That's okay, so... Or you could just mean a boat. <laughs> we'll put, yeah, we'll go on the boat. Uh, the, the USS space, Markab. The space boat. 
Um, something got some play in this episode that we've seen before. Steven is on his stems, and there's one particular scene that's his third one tonight. And the Markab doctor starts lecturing him, and this is just more of, of that particular storyline that was you originally. Recall he, when Dr. Kyle left the note in the desk, he also left his drug addiction. Yeah, left the note in the desk and left the stems. Here, you might need these. Susan made out well. She got the coffee pot from Laurel. (laughs) Well, it's really the same thing if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm addicted to coffee. There's no way I'm not, but I'm not addicted to crack cocaine, so it's still seen as a plus. I mean, yay. But yeah, I mean, you definitely will see that, which is interesting because, as we've said in past episodes, the doctor in any sci fi show never does anything but explains the audience the science. So. It's great that Steven has a hobby. Yes. Everyone needs hobbies. I knit. I think it's a better hobby. It's probably a, a more cost-effective hobby. I can't knit, though. I would, I would injure myself. Well, we have Omni for that. We do. Omni, Omni got married, by the way. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. She got married the other day, and she sent me a YouTube link. She, she got married before the Justice of the Peace, and then they did like a reenactment of the, of the ceremony for their friends and family. And Omni monologue. Omni. Omni. She's omnipresent. Omni, Omni, she's omni-logging. Uh, omni hosted the... She was. She basically, like, monologued the entire ceremony for her friends and family. And she and her husband, um, they have uh, titanium rings. And they geeked out for 20 minutes about the uses of titanium. So nice. She's absolutely a Puffwainian. I love it. It took me six months to scrounge up enough titanium just to build a four-meter cockpit. Okay, you know what is hilarious and ridiculous and hilarious and ridiculous? coincidence me the, the sign like logo for the uss markab which is an actual navy boat that exists is a unicorn, unicorn. <laughs> it's a unicorn it's one gay unicorn it's peewee herman and john luke picard's uniform on them and the pirate cap right. starting the uss markab is now the official ship of Pukwa. is it possible that we just did the episode on death and destruction and the little girl who died from a nosebleed and turned it into the one gay unicorn podcast? yes it is actually are they still being released did one gay unicorn like come back from height i haven't had enough courage to go actually listen to them I'm afraid. i will go look it up how do we know see. they're not talking about us i mean seriously we need that would to be funny if they were Oh, be- I have launched a Google search for one gay unicorn. Okay, you do that. We are going to keep talking about this episode, but the- I have nothing left to say. I have absolutely nothing to say. Catherine, what uh, did you think of these episodes? You're new. Um... Oh, the pressure. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Okay, you're up to the end of season two. What the hell do you think? In regards to what? How are you enjoying What would you like to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, are, okay, like, are you hooked? Is it nice? Oh, yeah, no, um, tomorrow, Death doesn't know it, but I'm popping over to his apartment and stealing season three. Oh, there go my plans. Death, when you uh, get home and you find the front door kicked in and all the money missing, it was actually Catherine Walsh. What money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. No, I mean, it, especially with the way the season ended, it, it, it just, oh my God, now what? <laughs> yeah, like, let's talk about, like, instead of just doing chapter by chapter, like, what do you, okay, so the season ends, you have 
Night no, we're, we're doing good. We've gotten through uh, two episodes. Yeah, I want to go chapter by chapter. Chapter by chapter. Okay. Yeah. Chapter well, I want to go into divided loyalties because this is the great one where Susan has lesbian sex. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. This is now Susan. Now, in, in this episode, we find out Susan is a little bisexual because she had an entire relationship with Talia here that we didn't know anything about until you find out they were sleeping in the same bed. And that's more amusing because in the beginning of the of the series, uh, Talia, Susan hated each other a little bit. And we're a little lie, bit. Just, just a little bit and we're going to help P.S. articulate some thoughts here because she had some issues with this plot point in season three but we're not there yet but we're kind of here now. Look, so. it, why are, see, see, now he's trying to make me do it. I really think we should talk about this in season three. Okay. Well, why don't we do this? What, now, P.S., the, 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 now obviously you are a fan of you're probably the, the biggest slash fan on the call. Is that fair? In fan, not fan slash. That's not my. That that wasn't my issue with that's it. That's not your issue with it. Now let's try and articulate. What? No, did you have an issue at this point? No. So what did you think at this point? You watched this episode and you thought that's nice. I think okay. you kind of have... need to. I think you kind of need to know the other half of the argument before this. Is yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, so gonna... let's talk about it when we get there. We'll talk about it next. Yeah. Week. So at this point, PS thought the episode was very nice. So we have from the beginning of the series, we talked about Laurel Takashima, the mole. Lieutenant Commander Takashima. And she was the mole because uh, the gathering doesn't make sense without her being a mole. But then she wasn't a mole. And then you have. Well, she may very well have been. She just got transferred off the station before anything she else could be developed. She had an opportunity to do mo- her molish deeds. I wonder who she was working for. Very confusing. So Bureau then, 13. So then you have Bureau 13 and its control agent who is clearly male until we find out the agent was actually Talia Winters who wanted to leave to become a real estate agent. Obviously, Talia is the control agent, and she is gone from the series, effective divided loyalties. What did everyone think about... Obviously, there were plot reasons why they had to make a Talia, but what did everyone think of just that plot point? Implanted evil sleeper personalities that come out when she's sleeping? Uh, it's been done, but I think... I it thought was it was handled. cliche. I thought it was cliche. You know what it was? It was... you You start to wonder about Susan, because... Now, the thing is, you find out in this episode that Susan is a latent telepath. She's like a P1 or less, but she's got some telepathy. And, or Psy Power, or whatever we're calling it. And in the first season of Psy Power. The Care Bear Stare, she can do it. <laughs> in the first season, you have the episode um, Eyes, where Susan is going to be scanned by Jeffrey Combs' character, Wayun the telepath. And he wants to scan her, and she will not consent to a scan because of the fact that her mother touched her mind, and her mother was in her eyes killed by the psychor and it, it, it's a, it's blasphemy practically and I won't have you in my mind I'll resign first and that episode feels completely real with that being the the reason for for Susan's motives then you have him passively read her thoughts and he's like wow you know it's 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 amazing that you know um you know what he said she could get into his mind or oh they were in the zocalo and there's a reference to her he sensed something he like, or she could block him or something there was something right that yeah that was scene. it she could block him and he's like wow because your mother was in your mind all the time and you learned how to do that that's amazing and it made so much sense and then you find out in this episode well that but also she's a telepath too and she doesn't want anyone to know mm-hmm. i watched eyes from the perspective of susan as a telepath and it worked perfectly i don't know if claudia christian knew she was supposed to be a telepath when she filmed that but the episode Episode worked perfectly. And it works worked. both ways because obviously, I mean, you have no clue when you till you get to this point. And but sometimes you can have a couple scenes that don't really work, and you kind of it doesn't make sense because you came up with it later. And there's points in the series where that happens. It didn't happen here. It was perfect. Everything was perfect, and you know, down to the scene where Susan doesn't know what. Well, doesn't she have a weird dream? 
she, about her mother. Yes. I always thought that was weird, and that makes me wonder if they had planned the telepathy. Yes, there was a scene where she became her mother. Yeah, right? I think absolutely they planned it that because that's way back in like season one. Oh, I think Joe Straczynski knew. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Claudia Christian knew, mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I, don't, I think it, I, don't I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters, but. And the, the scene I loved was the scene where um, you have Susan come forward and she says, okay, just scan me before I change my mind. And she looks so scared as Lita yep. steps forward to scan her. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lita tell Sheridan, this agent... She's will, blocking me. Right. This agent will say anything you know possible to you know to, to deflect... Divert her. attention. Isn't that just what Control would say? Right. You know? And you're down to scanning the lawn sprinkler guys... Now, here's my question. Now, you have Nightwatch on the station, and they say, you know, Nightwatch starts that you, you get an extra 50 bucks a week and wear an armband. Isn't that great? And now they're starting to, they, they want their, they're like more than, they want their favors cashed in. And they're like, tell us anything suspicious you might see, all right? Anything suspicious, call it in. Okay, if the captain calls every single person who works on the station into his office with a woman who's actually on Psychor's most wanted list standing in the background and says, you're doing a great job, now leave. Like, and there's a line of 80 people going out the door. Don't you think that would have possibly gone reported? Perhaps. Maybe she's just hiding behind the think, plant or something. I think it, it <laughs> depends this on could, what, how they perceive Sheridan. Like, do they think Sheridan is a bit eccentric? But it's I like, would think by now they, they think he's a little odd. Yeah, like that just seems like... like they, literally, they probably went through a couple hundred people, but it just seemed... He, well, the he, thing is, they made it... They, they had a really good cover, because it's an impromptu performance review. Walk in, you know, thank you for coming, I've just been reviewing your work, you're doing a really good job lately, and uh, carry on. You just hope there wasn't a line of 50 people out the door, or else it would have looked a little suspicious. I, I think oh, that would have been great. They could all actually, be there for different reasons. I think that would have been fantastic if Lita actually was ducking behind the plants in the background, or like poking your she... head out from outside the window. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> right down again. I think she was. Well, I just love when they get Zach Allen in there. Thank you for coming. That'll be all. <laughs> it's like, he's so phoning it in. I'm like, you're a terrible, like, you know, mole or, or rebel or whatever the hell you are. Like, it just seemed like, you come up with, like, a better excuse. And later on, you see Sheridan come up with some good excuses. Like, this episode just was not. <laughs> he was still getting into the groove of he was, excuses. He was, maybe Zach was, like, the first guy. And after that, you know, someone's like, you might want a reason. Performance reviews. Ah, and they went with it. I don't know. So that was a little weird. Yeah. Actually, I think it's funnier that they didn't have a good cover story. It made for better storytelling. It was just hilarious. It would have been great if every single one was different. He's like, um, thank you for coming. And then you see this random woman who you've never seen before. Um, what's your favorite type of pasta? <laughs> like, you just try and come up with a different reason for everything. Grilled like, pasta. Exactly. Grilled Read any pasta. good books lately. I don't know. You could do Jeez. something fun with it. But I, I thought the scene worked great with Susan, and then she is resisting. So that should have prompted some questions if what happened didn't happen in distract everybody but mm-hmm. then you have literally talia walk in for absolutely no reason whatsoever and get scanned it just it, it didn't work dramatically like there needed to be some reason to get talia or have like at the very end lita's leaving and she walks next to talia and talia kind of drop like do something with it don't it just seemed really stupid the way it well like, sometimes yeah. trap doors got to be like that yeah i mean it, it just it, it was everything else they probably like, had like x amount of time to get rid of the actress you know and they could have done any number of things you know i think i think a plot like this you have to be kind of forgiving you no know, it's even the staging i didn't like like even if there was something where 
Talia got called in and said, Susan, I'll go first or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, not knowing she was actually good. I mean, just something, anything. Like, it just seemed like a little... And they could have had her killed. You know what I mean? Like, they could. it could have been the, the old, they get shot at the last episode because, you know, the actor wanted to leave after this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did enjoy the fact that, and I was talking to P.S. about this because she had some issues with this we'll get into next week, but I don't see this as Talia turning evil. I see this episode as Talia being killed. And she's literally, she's in a relationship with Susan who has lost everybody she's ever had. And they kind of found each other and, and, and they're good for each other. And then Talia is essentially killed by Psychor who killed yep. Susan's mother. And now you have Susan, who never reaches out to anybody. Like, the closest probably is Garibaldi. And she reaches out to Talia, and then Talia is killed. And I, yeah. I, I view it like that because it's not that Talia. Yeah, well, so do I. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, as the programmed personality says, there's nothing left of the Talia that you knew. Just the program remains. All that there is is me. Remember, kings come and kings go, but one thing remains the same, and that is me. And I do have to say the actress is very good because she... Yeah, she is very good at being evil. It, it, it's really a shame that she decided to go be a real estate agent because the way her face and attitude changes... I she mean, could I have been a good, a good evil character because I thought she was really good at doing the other personality. Well, she also became like I, Mrs. Jerry Doyle, too. So, I mean, she found some other stuff going on there, but... Yeah, but yeah, she's she's a good actress, and it's a shame. And obviously the series began, and there was a particular plot line that the telepath character would fulfill. And it was going to be Lita Alexander, and Lee, and Pat Tallman wasn't brought back for whatever reason, and they came up with Andrea Thompson. Thompson. Andrea Thompson. Andrea Thompson to play Talia, so they moved the Lita characterization to Talia, and now Talia is leaving, so they're moving the Talia characterization back to Lita to some extent. So you'll see more of Lita in you know in the episodes ahead, but it, it's interesting. It's like who's on. It's like I don't even know whose character it's supposed to be anymore. Like is Lita taking over for Talia? Is Talia taking over for Lita? But. It would have been interesting to see the series with Talia. Now, the one thing I did catch was, I don't remember if there was a clip of it in Divided Loyalties, but John and Michael talking in the in the bathroom at the beginning of the episode. I, think there was a I loved the scene in yes. the bathroom. There's like a pot And there's like a, a crazy thing that like has some kind of crazy bathroom and it goes in. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I just love the fact because we always complain in fix that there's never any scenes in the bathrooms. <laughs> they had several scenes. That's all I that's all I can think of is watching this. And it makes sense they're going to bring Talia into their resistance group. And yep. obviously bad idea. Bad idea, and that was <laughs> the end of it. But now they have they actually send her back to Psychor, which I was wondering why they just didn't stick to kill her. Yeah, stick her in the freezer. Oh, we can't find her telepath. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. They could have done yeah, something. Where'd like she go? <laughs> you know. Could have been anywhere. The only thing you could reasonably do is kill her and feed her to the Pacmara. She went downtown. Downtown. <laughs> but got the pressure doors open. But... Markab ghosts got her. Exactly. And then by the end of it, you have Garibaldi saying, I think I have a plan, or I think I have an idea. And I forget if there was a reference to it, but if you remember in the first season, Talia does that job for Kosh with the VCR, who mm-hmm. takes like a cop, like a, like a, he records her personality or memories or whatever. Emotions. Emotions. So my question was, Hmm. is there a reference in this episode to them being able to bring Talia back from that? They have Talia on a backup disc. Because I don't think, because originally I assumed that was just like a, like a plot line for Talia that was dropped and the actress left, but they put it in the episode after the actress leaves. So which implies to me, it's a continuing thing, but I don't know if that was, 
brought up again later or what the, uh, I don't think it is but it definitely leaves open the possibility of the character popping back out from the trap door right and maybe he put that in right there in AU right in AU he probably put that in there Joe probably put that in there saying if I ever want to bring her back that can be why and if anyone ever asks me what the thing well see what they could do is they could maybe they couldn't find Talia so they had to get some other body and put her personality in so you can have another actress playing Talia exactly oh that's funny perhaps Michael O'Hare can come back and play Talia oh my gosh that that would be strange but it would be like Darren Stevens. Exactly. The <laughs> new Darren. Exactly, the new child. Um, well, at least, I mean, well, at least would have, this would be a better reason. I mean, it wouldn't, I mean, it's not like they downloaded Darren's personality. Yeah. And you see in this episode now, you have Talia, who was enhanced, enhanced by Jason Ironheart. You saw that in last week's episodes. So now we have this, see, that's another thing, like, I wonder if they'll ever bring it up. Because we have now not just, you know, an evil telepath that knows all our secrets. She also has superpowers. But did the superpowers get wiped out when... Well, the, the, here's the question, and I don't know if this is ever answered. Did Talia come to the station in season one as the control agent? Did she leave and go on vacation and come back in season two as the control agent? And did she have... What, what, did control get those... I got the... Maybe this is completely wrong, but I got the impression that that was... I mean, you know, this, I, I won't say a BSG spoiler, but maybe I, I kind of watched it assuming that she never really existed or like she, it had been very long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I got this. I would even say, I know I said this on the podcast when we talked about this episode, but I said something along the lines of her memory of Abby. I said that sounded very odd. I wonder if Abby existed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think there was no Talia. I got th- my belief is there was a Talia that the control agent was plugged in years ago and it was under the surface and it only came up when she was asleep or when her mind wasn't actively. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll admit, I mean, I don't think they completely created Talia, but I think it was right. a long, 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 long time ago. Like. Definitely way before the series. I think Ironheart would have been wiped out, but Talia. Evil Talia at the end of personality. Talia seems to remember everything that our Talia knew, so mm-hmm. she may, she might. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I would assume that I mean, she knows of how to use these powers because they were concerned. I mean, she knows everything Talia knew, so she like she would know all their secrets. Well, Psycor well, will definitely want to like you know take her apart and you know flip her inside out to see what they can glean from her. Well, I don't know if they would necessarily do that if she's perfectly willing to participate in everything. Oh yeah, I'd be glad to show you how telekinesis works here. It's just like this. Yeah. Well, if I they want to know how it works on the, I mean, she can go up to them and say, "I have telekinesis," and that's all they need to know before they dissect her. And the thing to point out too is, well, she has the skills to protect herself too. And let me just say this too: the character of Talia, obviously, as she came into the series, was enhanced by. Ironheart very early on, and you saw in season two just how strong she got. Whereas now you have the character of Fleeta, who in the first appearance, the first episode of the series, the the, the miniseries, uh, on sorry, uh, the the pilot movie, pilot. Gathering, was inside of Orlon, and and I think she probably got superpowers from. Kosh, I mean, so you're gonna, they, but you're going to see. Could- Right. Well, yeah, she, I mean, I think it's one of these deals where they needed, like, they need somebody with superpowers because they got rid of Talia, so now they can say Lita got superpowers from Kosh. Yeah, and they can do yeah. something along along those lines. So you're going so to like, like it's discussed in the episode here at the very end. She goes to see Kosh, and she's like, "I didn't tell them anything. I kept it all hidden." And except 
late at night when I was all by myself, I opened that door in my mind and experienced the turnaround. Which is exactly what Talia did, but like the evil turnaround, you know what I mean? <laughs> because well, that made me wonder, that made me wonder if not necessarily that Lita has superpowers, I wondered if Lita was being somehow possessed by Akash, yeah. by a, another Vorlon that's or a very something. Good, that's a very good question. I mean, you're, you're looking mm-hmm. in the right direction there. I mean, that, that's really solid. Yeah. It was awkward in the episode because they had to get rid of Andrea Thompson. I think they, Andrea Thompson, they do a lot with it and, and they really do milk it and they really do obviously bring Lita back as a result of it. I do think that once you finish the series, you'll look back and be like, I wonder what, how it would have worked out of Talia State. I think it would have been interesting in a lot of the ways, but I am still happy. I don't know who I prefer as an actress. I think I think I prefer Lita. I'm blanking on her. Uh, Pat Tallman, I think, is, is a great person. She's obviously married to the actor who plays Kosh. And sometimes her acting kind of comes across as is a little bit amateur hour. Like, sometimes she doesn't captivate me. Although there were times that, that um, like, uh, Andrea Thompson, you just... I want to call her Andrea Winters for a second. Uh, Andrea, <laughs> Andrea Thompson. I'm like, I know there's a season in there somewhere. Andrea Thompson <laughs> drove me crazy, but as we saw at the end, she really could do it when she played evil Talia. So that's and, why I said she. They should have kept her as an evil character because she's she, she the actress is more compelling when she was evil. But she I really mean, Leva may become evil, and then you'll never know. So <laughs> well, you will just keep watching. <laughs> a little Let's awkward, see. but I did enjoy. Now let me just say this. If we had found out in this episode that, you know, Laurel Takashima is saying... Lieutenant Commander Takashima! Is saying, John, I'm a telepath, and, you know, I don't know what to do. And she gets scanned, and you find out she really has been the mole all this time. And she's brought off the station. That would have really had some impact, because she, by the way, also would have been the one that that shot Garibaldi in the back. And I think that would have been stupendous, because that would have been set up from the very beginning. And you would have then had to bring in a new XO, who would have been the woman in the background, played by Claudia Christian named Susan Ivanova. So I think the way it was originally planned, I think, would have been stupendous, but I think it's... Well, then you, I mean, I, I mean, I, that we would have lost some of the Susan stuff from before that I liked, like the rabbi. Right. So, yeah. so I mean... You, there wouldn't have been time for it. You play the hand you're dealt with, and I think it... Yes, I would have preferred not to have to watch... Lieutenant Commander Takashima for two years to get the, the one. Yeah, it, it would have been very unpleasant. Now, the next episode, she, she'd be telling everybody to get stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the next episode is Long Twilight Struggle. I got a couple more small things oh, in this episode. Yeah, just pointing it out, Psycor has a secret base on Syria Planum. Yeah. And just throwing that out there. And the, the other thing is that you can get customized information in the paper, which I think is very interesting. Delenn has a subscription to Universe Today, and she likes freedom of information because Minbari are told only what they need to know and nothing more. Delenn files a FOIA. That's just the part I love, freedom of information act request. I think that's... <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought that was a great scene there, too. And honestly, this world will probably be in about five years, so I'm enjoying the fact that they made it there by 22. Well, I, their paper is just way too thin, otherwise. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- that was just kind of ridiculous. I don't know, but I, I thought that was a cute little scene, too. I mean, you're getting the little cutesy, flirty scenes with... Sure, well, it, it was that, but I liked what was going on in in the building of the scene yeah. as far as society and, and so forth. Oh, and speaking of society, it is inappropriate for one of the religious cast to study the more colorful aspects of the human language. <laughs> <laughs> the use of language has altered since our arrival. It is currently laced with, shall I say, more colorful metaphors. 
double dumbass on you, and so forth. You mean the profanity? Yeah. That's simply the way they talk. There's an episode where I think um, we get Dylan actually using the phrase haul ass, so I don't buy that for a second. Oh, very interesting. In one of... It's actually in the next episode. I'll tie it into mm-hmm. the next episode. When they're down on the planet looking around, are you sure you remember where you're going? She says, absafragadlutely, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of um, Star Trek Four, where reborn Spock is walking around 1986. Double dumbass on you. Well, they told him you have to swear to oh, fit it, in. It, yeah, they told it, him you have to swear to fit in, and then he's on the bridge of the ship. Spock, where's the, prom- the power you promised me? <laughs> One damn minute. Damn minute. He's just swearing all the time. He doesn't know yes. how to control it. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> One damn minute, Admiral. Spock. Yes. About those colorful metaphors that we've discussed, I don't think you should try using them anymore. Why not? Well, for one thing, you haven't quite got the knack of it. Now, I was waiting when Delenn and Sheridan were on the planet. I was waiting for the snappers or whatever the hell they were from Galaxy Quest, the chompers, to come on. Chompers. <laughs> but, but yeah, you got those with Susan and Jeff or Susan and Jeff. Some characters had the chompers. I think it was Jeff and Susan had the chompers. Yeah, when they went down to the planet. Yeah, I thought you were going to get the chompers back at some point. Was that the same? Yeah, that was <laughs> This the same. episode was badly written. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was fantastic. Now, this episode is actually probably one of the best of the season, probably one of the top ten of the series. This episode is more momentous than most. Yes, it has the, probably the best Londo scene of the entire series where he's standing on that ship. The looking, bridge of the ship, watching over, the bombardment um, of Dawn. Knowing he did it as he descends into darkness and the shadow just covers his face saying, like, my God, what have I done? And he's thinking back probably to the drink he had with almost half the Chikar and the Zokolo and because he made... Now, that would be a nice AU fic. Yeah. I mean, that that was just the, the moment. And you can see Jakar, it's all slipping away. In past episodes, he tries to get military support to save Narn, and he, is in, he they essentially sent him blankets and hair dryers, and they're all bald. So, I mean, he, he knows they're going down, and they have one force of ships left to use, and his uncle is going to pull the ships away from the Narn oh, homeworld to strike at the Centauri and the Shadows are waiting for them. And, and, and it's just, not even the Centauri homeworld. It's just a world on their supply chain, Gorash 7. Right. It's it's a desperation strike, and they're like, we we should have enough ships left over to protect the home world. Now, uh, Jakar's uncle, I don't know the actor who plays him, he played the Soul Hunter from season one, the one screaming oh, cool. at Ed Sinclair, they're using you, they're using you. He was actually the runner-up to play Jakar, oh. and uh, he was on Star Trek The Next Generation as well. So he's a very versatile actor there. But I, I it was, And the, the scene that always got me was when the Narn fleet is being wiped out and Jakar is praying, reading the book of Jaquan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can tell he knows what's happening and he puts the candle out. Yeah. And, and that's... He feels a great disturbance in the Force. Yeah. I was going to say that. Oh, well, what sorry. would you like to say? What do you think? Like millions of there was a disturbance in the Force. <laughs> it was a very large disturbance in the Force. And they, yes. they jump out. Of them. Now, what did you think? What did you think would happen? Did you th- did you expect? Like, what, what did you think? Well, as soon as Veer started twitching, I knew it was not going to end well for Jakar and his people. I just knew it. Regardless of anything else that might happen, Vera's twitching, which means the the shadows are involved, which is never any good for anyone. I mean, let's face it, look at the state that Lando's soul is in. Right now, he knows what he is doing is wrong, and you can see it in his eyes and how he's carrying himself, especially compared to the very first scene you see him in, episode one, season one. He's this happy-go-lucky, appearing, you know, just, just 
easygoing guy. And now all of a sudden, you know, he has the weight of the universe on his shoulders and he knows it and he knows the gravity of what he has facilitated. Well, look how much the seasons changed. Look, go back to when we were, we just released our episode in the gathering and you have Jakar. We did. We did. Jakar (laughs) is, uh, you know, having his, you know, lungs crushed by Delenn's, you know, gravity rings, and he's the one who gets poisoned at the end of the episode, and he's the one who wants Jeff sent to the Forlorn homeworld, and he's the bad guy. You've got Lonjo, who's the pathetic little man in the casino, who's borrowing right. money off of Garibaldi, and, you know, is coming drunk to, to meetings, and, and his nephew is captured by the Nari, and Jakar had all the power. Jakar's the one at the, the end of the first episode, Midnight on the Firing Line, who gets bested by Jeff and his Star Fury squadron. I mean, Jakar was the villain. And Londo was the pathetic old man who longed for happier days. And then at the end of this episode, you have Jakar hauled out of the council room, and, and Londo is not taking any crap from Sheridan, and and that's it. Two seasons. I mean, and, and it's completely shifted, and you knew it was going to go here. And I know P.S. had said a couple of weeks ago she thought the season was a little uneven because you don't see a lot of Jakar and you don't see a lot of Londo for a while. I just get the sense that when the war started, it just went directly downhill over half a dozen episodes. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and and it's over. And Well, there's that one episode from season one where Sinclair's love interest is going off to that planet and she gets attacked and... Catherine. uh, Catherine Sakai, yep. And yeah, Sigma this, 957. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. The point is, when she comes back, she goes to Jakar and say, why did you help me out there? And he says, people are not always as they seem, especially here. That was a very telling lie, because as you said, the contrast between how Jakar and Londo are portrayed from season one, even the end of season one, you still kind of are, are rooting for Londo and, and Boo and Hiss when you see Jakar. And now it's very... Very different. In the, the first episode of season two, you can kind of see, okay, yeah, Delenn changed, but that that's nothing in comparison to the change in Jakar and Londo. Well, if you're going to you know, break into Jethro's apartment tomorrow and trash all of his things and you know, whatever. <laughs> you, no, I, the good thing is I know exactly where the DVDs are, so he Get in and out. Get in and out. That's what I, yeah, just get in and out. I think you'll even be very impressed with um some of the early characterization of Jakar in season three, because now you have Jakar. I like season three. That I mean, should tell you how that, that I tell, like. If PS <laughs> likes Babylon, I mean, come on. I well, mean, then. I mean, but the, the thing with, with Jakar there, too, is at some point, he has no honor at the beginning of the series. Like, like JMS even says, you know, in the in the Bible of Wando, it was like seven pages long, and the Bible of Sinclair was like seven pages long, and Delenn and everyone. Like, Jakar, it was like, he is a warrior like next like that was it like there was he, no... he is the narn yeah and then then you know they cast andreas katsoulis and he and jacquard became jacquard and he's like <laughs> i am french and like he kind of just took on this role and turned him into someone and he has a real sense of honor so to go to know there's women and children on the narn homeworld who are being bombed like dinosaurs with asteroids with asteroids you know the, you know, just destroying the world he go jacquard goes to sheridan under orders saying i request asylum p- protect me like just to to do that for what? Because now you don't. There's no government. You don't speak for you know anybody officially. What are you going to do? What is Jakar's role now? Do you fight and and lose people? Do you cooperate and try and build support? I mean, what do you what do you do? And the and the sad part is Jakar's people fell because of shadows, and he was the first one to warn people about the shadows. Mm-hmm. And, and, Delenn, and everybody thought he was nuts. Like no, no Delenn knew he wasn't nuts, but Delenn didn't want to say anything. 
because she, she, she couldn't do anything couldn't. about it. Yeah, so she's literally Jakar is the guy saying the bully is beating up a little kid, and Delenn sees it, but she pretends she doesn't see it because I'm not ready to face the bully yet. And meanwhile, this kid's getting the crap kicked out of him, and then they go after Jakar. And it's who do you side with there? I think it's done incredibly well. And then you have the scene at the end where Londo has Jakar stripped of his ambassadorship. And he stands up and gives the speech, saying that my people will be free. We taught you once, we'll do it again. It, it's just, it's probably one of the more powerful scenes of the entire... I liked it, yeah. Ser- I mean, yeah. It's, it's such it's such a solid episode, such a good episode. And look where the series has gone now. You have Nightwatch on Earth, and you have mom and pop shops on the Zocalo being closed because you've, you've spoken ill of the president. And you have the Narn homeworld has fallen, and, and the Narn Empire has fallen, and you have the Centauri. The, the Emperor has fallen and the Prime Minister has fallen and you've got Londo and Rifa running things and this unseen Emperor running things and it's like where the uh, go, like everything has changed and Delenn has been told you can go back to Babylon 5 and stay there so she's on the outs and, it's, and what do you I mean everything has changed and the only people who haven't done a damn thing except killed Deathwalker are the Vorlons they haven't done a damn thing yeah except for in the next episode where they send an Inquisitor they do now P.S. loved this episode P.S. loved Loved. And oh, why not? Shut it's a great up. episode. Love. Shut up. P.S. sent me hate mail, and I didn't write the episode. P.S. sent me hate I mail. I hate this episode. I hate it a lot. And the final player in our little drama arrives at last. Obviously, we're going to just, uh, just before we get to why PSA the episode, the character of Jack was played by Wayne Alexander, who plays everybody on that. Yeah, There's I was one. trying to wait, figure wait, out who on. the Sorry, hell can we is. Go, I have a question. Yes. What, it, was this, what, I, are we skipping? What was the thing with Drawl? Was that in this? Drawl? Yeah, it was in Long Twilight Struggle. He'll sign a, a treaty with... Am I confusing something with season three that I shouldn't say yet? Probably. Yes. Maybe, yes. Okay, because I, I wanted to talk about Drawl, but I think if Drawl is in... if. That's Basically what happens in the episode is Drawl shows up, he talks to Delenn, he talks to Sheridan, and eventually says that he is going to place the Great Machine and all of his resources at Sheridan's disposal, and I get the sense that it's personal. You, Sheridan, are who I'm giving my loyalty was, and all of my vast resources to. Was it, the, was it the station or was it the Babylon 5? No, I thought it was him. Because please, God, don't get, don't give the thing to the because, because like the, no, definitely not. Because he's just half of these the, people. Like, come on. The no. way he's describing Sheridan, like you know, your decisions have been wise and blah blah. I think he's putting it in Sheridan's hands. I would hope so. Because if he opened with my good and dear friend, I think we'd all be in a, in a hell of a lot of trouble. I got the impression <laughs> that it was like like Ivanova could like kind of like Hogwarts and the thing about Dumbledore at Hogwarts and like Hogwarts will always be whatever. What is it if there's people that are still loyal help, to me help will always be for, given yeah, to those who that's ask what i thought i thought it was like that like if sheridan had to go away it could have been ivanova but and this wasn't this was not what i meant so that what we're going to talk about draw later but so sheridan, now we can talk about when sheridan dies in a freak grilling accident he leaves the great machine of epsilon 3 to susan and his will and he that's leaves, awesome and he leaves michael his paintings like i don't know like i just think that's I, I thought you were going to say his pants <laughs> fast as if you want to talk socks no just a question. I'm not having this conversation. <laughs> Great. Catherine and P.S. are getting along very well. This is good. This is wonderful. Well, we had to bring that up at least once this episode. Come on. We did. Michael gets around. 
This is true. Now, Catherine, I just would like to point out, because we forgot to do this earlier, is the fastest race car driver on the line at the moment. <laughs> yes. Well, you don't know how fast I can drive a race yes. car. How thick are your glasses? <laughs> um, let's see. That's not really fair, because I wear glasses, and I finished faster than you. Everyone finished faster than me, Death Relation. This is also true. I, was, I wasn't going to say I anything about that. I came but... in 13th in a 12-man car race. I mean, let's be very clear about what happened here. I came in 13th. <laughs> I was riding a riding lawnmower in the middle, and I tried to quit in the middle of the race, which should be absolutely clear. And yeah, the race then, isn't over yet. You're like, ah, I think I figured I, I out. Did. I pulled over. I'm like, can I get out now? They're like, move! I'm like, okay, if you told me. And I drove into a wall. But, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the thing I will point out as well is since then, I've become addicted to a race car show which is sad because I'm the slowest man alive. So. And you can monologue about that after we finish talking about B5. <laughs> <laughs> now, Come the Inquisitor is about a monologuer. He likes to just talk and talk and yeah. talk. Oh my God. Maybe does. that's why I didn't like it. Exactly. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> I got one in. I got one in. Are you proud of me, Death Roll? It took 142 I am so episodes proud of you, P.S. Oh, my goodness. All right, so... What was it, P.S., that you didn't like about the, about the I just found this very, like, this kind of thing, like the testing of Sheridan, that's his name, Sheridan, yes. by the Vorlons, the unseen presence who are, we are going to do this, and we are not going to tell you what we are doing, and we are going to send this guy to ask questions of you and shock you with electricity and shock Delenn with electricity. I mean, and The point wasn't the electricity, the point was the question. It just seemed very over the top to me and I just I didn't buy it and I thought it was I mean the, I the, laughed the at inappropriate times because I thought it was just over the top. The giving of pain is the punishment for repeating an unacceptable answer. It's negative reinforcement. Which I realized is, that I just thought it was silly. The way I look at it is that negative you, reinforcement was silly. I mean you've go seen, talk to the American Psychiatric Association. Well you also You're have silly. you know if you like people who spank their kids to you know if you do well, I mean, it's not like I think the concept of negative reinforcement was like, I thought the episode was silly. Like, if the episode was about crazy guy whipping Delenn and whipping Sheridan, I mean, it wouldn't make much sense. I mean, you have the Vorlons, who you know nothing about. They've done one thing in two years. No, he's fallen over once. Two things. fell he, like a broken they, freezer. They killed Deathwalker, and they helped conceal the doctor. Yes, two things. Our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear. Fear and surprise. Our two weapons are fear and surprise. And he, 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 he rented a VCR for a couple days. Three things. He sent three things since he came out of the station. And ruthless efficiency. Our three weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency. No, he watched a video about the moon landing while being completely uninterested in human history. Four, he sent four things. And an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Uh, four. No. <laughs> Amongst our weapons. And they had nice red uniforms. Yes. He's done four things since he came to the damn station. No one knows what's inside the shower curtain. No one knows. He's the most mysterious character of the show. And someone is coming from the Vorlon homeworld. So you have in your mind this expectation we're finally going to get answers about the Vorlons. And you get an 18th century guy with a stick. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Not just any yeah. 18th See, century. I thought that, that was that kind of ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous. I think it's a lot. I think it's, it's, I mean, you're free to think that. I, I took it as this is mysterious. This is not what I expected. And it's better because if it was like a blob of jelly, who the hell cares? 
you know, oh, Josh. It would probably be somebody else in an encounter suit if it were going to be one of the Vorlons. Honestly, I think I would be much more impressed if it was like a different Vorlon, honestly. Well, then you have two shower curtains moving down the hallway. Then my question is, well, why couldn't the first shower curtain do it? Well, I find the shower curtains impressive and creepy, you know? Because they're unionized and it's not his job. He's done nothing but kill Deathwalker, rent a VCR, watch a home movie, and hit the doctor. The doctor. He's done four things. Now we could have done five things. It could have been like a whole set. Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as fear, surprise, ruthless vigilante, and almost fanatical devotion to the Pope and nice red uniform. But he doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's this guy and all he well, does... His, his fifth yeah, I understand. His fifth I mean, I've seen the whole thing. I understand what it, event- what it eventually means. It's just that when I was watching it, I thought it was silly. Well, the thing, too, is we don't know anything about the Vorlons, and what the episode teaches us is they are... The, the question that Jack continuously asks is, who are you? I'm sorry, the question he, yes, the question he asks Who are you, as opposed to you? what do you want? Yes, as opposed to what do you want, which is Morgan's question. The Vorlong question is about identity. Which I do like that. Yeah, the question's about identity. It's a, it's not about, you know, where'd you go to high school? It's not about, you know, how hard well, I liked parents, that it, so. I liked the juxtaposition with Morgan. I liked that they, they, they wanted to know who you are. They wanted to know what is inside of you. Whereas the Morden question is materialistic and it's asking, you know, what you want. It's not materialistic. It's desire. It, well, think of it this way. The way I, and there can be many right answers here. My thing was the Vorlon question was always about identity. It's class. It's the old British structure of you are the Lord and I am the peasant. And, and that's all it's going to be. Who are you? And it's this, it, it's, it's about that it's 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 frozen and it's uncompromising it's who are you that's the only thing i want to know whereas the shadow question is more individualistic it's what do you want like you are you can have shifting desires and wants and it's more about the person than than where you fit into the business plan that's how i always took it that there's two Mm -hmm. different views this is the first episode I think we learned anything about the Vorlon, so I thought that mm-hmm. was fascinating. I mean, do you it agree? With, was I right there, Death? Is that pretty? Yeah, reasonably so. I mean, the two questions are, are very common questions. Who are you and what do you want? And I think that the answers to those questions are deceptively complicated. And we see, we see Delenn go through all of this. She's constantly asked the question of who are you? And she tries to say, well, I'm Delenn and that's a label applied by others. And I'm, I'm the, the child of these two people. And that's a label. I'm, you know, I'm the ambassador from Minbar. That's a title. It doesn't matter. Right. Who are you? And. She can't answer it, and I don't think a lot of us could. And if you think about it, too, it's like if even going against what I just said, you know, maybe it's not so much your title or, or, or where you fit into the organizational flowchart. It's truth. It's who are you, you know, not who do you want to be. Who are you? I mean, there's there's that differentiation between the two questions, too. And what we find out by the end of the episode is they are both people, Sheridan and Delenn, are people who will die in darkness for each other, where no one will ever know what happened to them. And, no, and they, there will be no stories told of them, and, and they will... And someone else will pick up the man. And that's the most important thing. I'm a cog in the machine is the correct answer to the question. It's not about me. It's about what... No, The point is that they would do it anyway, even if they got no recognition for it. Right. But, they would yeah. do what was right. It's about... Because yeah. it's about... As opposed to what is easy. Now, oh, you may not... Well you, you, Well done, P.S. Ryan, you may not know this, you godless heathen, but Jack is quoting scripture. Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his brother. I didn't actually not know. I thought that was a tale of two cities. Can we Google that? 
It's right next to Marcap. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant by cogging the machine is if Delenn and Sheridan are struck down there for each other, someone else will take their place and fight the oncoming war. It's what I said. It's they will do what is right. right. They're not what the, that's what I meant. They're not the famous generals who want to have their, their names in the back of Chocolate Frog cards. They are people doing a job, and the job is what's important, not them. And once, well, I would say more like a cause than a job. Like I don't think it's yes. as mundane as like I am the commander of Battle not Battlestar Babylon <laughs> Five. Battlestar Babylon. <laughs> I am the commander Good of job. Babylon Five, and that is my job. I think it's talking about their role as the leaders in this war. That'd be a great blooper if like Eddie James almost walks up. He's like, "This is Babylon Five. Babylon Five. Where the hell? Battlestar Galactica. Come in." Whoops, whoops. Uh, by the way, it's John fifteen thirteen. <laughs> Two cities. Well, I thought it was. Well, the Tale of Two Cities might have used it too. That's true too. There's, yeah, there's okay. some famous line in Tale of Two Cities. Isn't I that thought awful? The guy quotes the Bible and P.S. quotes it from. That's <laughs> 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 not the Bible. My uncle Larry said it from the back of a cereal box. Oh, that's funny. My uncle Larry said it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the um, it's like the Obama over Get her done. Exactly. <laughs> Quotes another guy who Martin Luther King quoted frequently. Luckily, he didn't say who said the quote, so we're fine. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was, to me, it's probably one of the most simple things in the entire series. I mean, there's so much about the series that's hard to understand, and, and it rewrites and, and cast changes. And oh, it's, it's one life to give for my country. Yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's... Never mind, not laid down. I regret as that I have but one life to give for my country. Yeah. That, was that line used? No, she's talking about what she thought it was. Well, thank God, because I, I'm like, that would have been really corny. If I, I, I got the two mixed. I thought Death Row was trying to quote that line, but it's not that line. So we have Delenn. No, I just want to point out, Delenn should never go back to that room, because the last time she was there, every everyone died. And, and then she goes she back goes there and they time. whip her. I think Delenn is going to have, like, the next time, I'd like just have this image of them. Come on, Delenn, like, they're having a surprise party. <laughs> surprise party. Room. Right. Come on, Delenn, let's go in this room. Great. There's a great surprise so... for you, and Delenn is, like, cowering in the corner. I won't go back in that room. <laughs> it's so awful. A thousand years ago. <laughs> she just goes into her monologue. That would be, be awful. So, and there was actually a blooper near the end. I think uh, JMS had Jack come from, like, the west side of London, and it was really the east side or whatever. <laughs> the and they tried to change it, but, like, Bruce Boxleitner was, like, licking the camera at the time. Like, there was no way you could blurb it out because it was just... See, that's actually like funny. When you I can't thought edit I anything hold, hold, hold because on. Aaron is typing. I thought I actually recognized an audio blip or something during watching that episode. So I think they tried to dub over it. Yeah, it's funny if it's what or the, all the murderers are on the west side and they're really on the east side or something like that. Yeah, something I mean, like that. Jack the Maybe Ripper. Maybe that's why I didn't realize it was Jack the Ripper. Well, it's like oh, it's like Amelia Earhart and Jack the Ripper are these characters that always turn up in sci-fi. Like, here's what happened to them. This is the, the I think the best one I've seen because yeah. it was last seen in classic Star Trek, screaming in the like, I, it was awful. But and it was great. The Vorlons took Jack the Ripper because he was obsessed with order and status and cleaning things. He, Jack the Ripper had a lot in common with the Vorlons. He and deplored chaos. I thought you were going to say he had a lot in common with me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had, well, you, you were both murder suspects. Exactly. Well, there's that. I was talking about liking to clean. <laughs> Hold on, you th- you thought the- that's like when my mother said that Scott Peterson say what you want, but he's got a great head of hair. I mean, Jack the Ripper say what you want, but he got to clean house. Like, 
<laughs> and liking things to be organized, like the schedule. I think I bet Jack the Ripper had a great schedule. If you're so organized, how come you forgot we switched to Wednesdays? I didn't. Oh, oh, that drove PS. Well, the thing I always love about PS is like if there if something happens and we can't record, I'm like, oh, just push it to next week. PS is up till four in the morning when I say that, moving everything yeah. till the end of time. Down. And the thing is, nobody tells anybody else, no. but that's fine. I have PS on tape admitting that that's fine by her. Cog is going to show up, by the way, tomorrow evening, ready to record tonight's episode. And we did our, I did send her that's, a message. But I that's awesome. Know. That's great. Well, I love the episode. Um, we, the night we postponed and she showed up eight hours later. I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm like, oh, no problem. Oh, you're early. <laughs> you're early. You're six days early. Okay. Um, um, let's see. I have nothing else about the actual Inquisition itself. Oh, except for at one point, Sebastian says, be a nice Minbari. <laughs> I just, I, I love the fact that. And it should be a telltale sign that at this point in the series, the shadow's bad. <laughs> Vorlon's good. Vorlon's good. When the Vorlons hired Jack the Ripper because they met him in, like, he was an old... And they admired him. He seemed like a nice guy. We like I don't him. think it's so much that they admired him, but they saw him as a set of skills... Yeah. Which they could use for their purposes. The they sense. liked his resume. He has exactly. Whipped, he has whipped a lot of people over the years, and they stick him in the freezer, then they take him out, and he whips some more people. I mean, he's been doing this a while, and now that he's found Sheridan Delenn, he can die. And he's yeah. relieved. He's like, thank oh. you, God, you know how much effort this takes to whip people just saying the same line over and over and over. Well, well as he said, he said that he met the Vorlons and they opened his eyes. The scales fell off, which is another biblical reference that he understood what he did, why he did it, and why his reasoning was flawed. You know, to, to him at the time, what he was doing was this holy crusade for purity. And then the, the Vorlons come down and say, um, not really. And he's like, oh... Boo on me. And I'm picturing him being uh, Ralphie from a Christmas story going, oh, fuck. <laughs> and just. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think I love it. He's trying to change the tire. It doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. I think there is something to the good of the Vorlons to say, well, now that you know better, you know, you still have a good skill and we're going to use it. And this they, skill yeah. is also going to be your, your punishment and your, your penance right. for what you've done. <laughs> You're a very mean plumber, but we could use a plumber. So yeah. we're going to take you and we're going to... yeah. It, so you have to unclog toilets for, for the rest years. of your life because you're an asshole plumber, no pun intended. I mean, <laughs> now, at this point in the series, I'm talking to P.S. I'm like, P.S., what is your beef with Babylon 5? It's wonderful. She's like, well, I don't like how all these different plots are, are not coming together and they're, they're not related. And I'm like, well, it's funny because everything you're mentioning is actually related. You just don't see it yet. And there was one particular plot that I kind of gave her some advanced hints of what was to come because I thought she wasn't even going to watch anymore if, if she didn't have that faith that what was to happen would happen. And one of the things which I said to her was, it's funny that the sh- that the Vorlons took Jack the Ripper. Why were they there in the first place to find him? Like, they read on the front page of the London Times, you know, Jack the Ripper strikes again, and they're like, hmm, we could use him. We need a plumber. Why were they reading the London Times? Why were they on Earth? What were? How is it they just happened to stumble across Jack the Ripper? Because they've always been there, always observing everybody. We have always been here. True, but that's not actually, I don't think, the reason. 
I think there's more to it than even that, which you find out at the end of season three. But there, which I haven't seen, and I don't know how I'm supposed to guess. Right, but but there these little things like it seems ridiculous. I wasn't convenient. They had Jack the Ripper. Well, if they were in the neighborhood, then the fact that they picked up Jack the Ripper isn't that strange anymore. So there is a lot of these things which seem cutesy or they seem inconsistent or they seem wildly unbelievable, they actually do matter very much. And and it does all link together very much until you get to season five, in which case the whole thing turns to shit. But up until then, I mean, everything works perfectly. Yeah, this is what we talked about when we were in The Gathering. Everything is important. Right. If you're seeing it, it's because it's important. There's nothing shown or dealt with that is unimportant. And the stuff that is unimportant is because they dropped it, but when they filmed it, it was meant to be very important. So there is, so it even fits, it fits perfectly. So, P.S., do you like the episode any better now? I can appreciate it. Well, that's a start. Okay, well, let me ask you about another part of the episode instead of the Inquisitor stuff. What did you think of Jakar's street preaching? Yes, struggling to remember Jakar's street preaching. Yeah, well, I'm it, struggling. To, I mean, the episode I like opens. Jakar. He's trying to drum yeah. up support. Yeah, for I like the that. Cause and saying they came for us. Now they'll come for all of yeah, you. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. It reminded me of that quote. What was it? Uh, first they came for some group, and I didn't say. Yeah, yeah I don't know the quote, but they you came, you guys they came for the Polish for the Pol- Yeah, and then yeah, they came that. for me, and no one. There was there no was left. no one to say. Yeah. And Jakar's. I think Jakar is. Jakar is absolutely is is right because I think before Jakar was you know talking about the shadows and people I mean Delenn like you, we just said Delenn knew what he meant but she didn't say anything and you know now they've come for the Jakars and Jakar is trying to make sure that next time that doesn't happen again. And the sad thing for Jakar is it like this isn't like he warned the shadows are coming the shadows are coming and no one believed him and then the shadows capture this world and now we could be like Maha, I was right. It's he still looks like a crackpot. He's screaming the shadows, are coming, the shadows are coming in the Centauri came. And now he he's like the shadows like, are coming, yeah. the shadows are coming. And it, it, it doesn't look like I mean I was gonna say boy who cried wolf, but it's more like the boy who cried octopus. <laughs> 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 Thank you for naming this episode, PS. That was, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. it's like he 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 still he still looks like the crackpot guy with the tinfoil hat. Unfortunately. Like, like he, exactly, like street preaching. Like he looks like these guys on the street are like the end is near. Who are unfortunately will probably turn out to be right someday. But I mean, the difference is, is that you. Well, have, if you keep saying it, maybe one day it'll be true. One day, well, a stopped clock is right twice a day. Well, the thing too is Jakar. He he was the ambassador from Narn, and I'm sure he had he had a staff, and he had a comm line, and he had a budget, and he had hookers and he had, he had all these lines of he had hookers and now he's now he's he's citizen jakar which i think is why don't they just call him mr jakar i find citizen jakar a little superfluous but he's citizen jakar and he doesn't know what the hell to do and he's shouting from the from from the mall i think i think it's because they're trying to make very clear that he is a private citizen yes no absolutely you're absolutely right but my thing is because yeah, the president is still mr president yeah i mean i there's times where i think citizen seems superfluous but I, I take it. it sounds like a weird, like, like almost like it reminds me of comrade. Or it could be used as an insult. But there's some people who will use it. I'm wondering if it's just lazy writing. There's some people who use it like as his official title. Maybe that's what they do on Narn. Maybe they call them citizen Narn. You know, maybe that's just the Narn thing. And since we don't know any other Narn, we don't know what they do. Citizen Bob, because there are Narn named Bob. So <laughs> It would be Jabob. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they are all French. They're a lost French colony. They all have spots for some godforsaken reason. I mean, it my... was a filing error. We thought it was beta six. It was beta nine. Yeah, open my wrist. But the... do they? Do they? They just have spots. Otherwise, they look basically like us. <laughs> no, the they look spilled nothing like El. Like us, just ask Aaron. He's found out about the genitals. He found out. About, oh, he found out about the. <laughs> oh God. The Centauri genitals. I think so. At one point. Okay. Is that even in this? Yeah, we've, we've, we have seen his genitals before. I thought you meant the Narn genitals. Death. I was uh, telling the story last week. JMS played the joke on um, Pure Jurassic and Andreas Kutsulis, and he wrote a scene into an episode where Jakar takes. Jakar has a sex change. Like, he takes pills or he does something where Jakar actually starts growing breasts and he has a sex change. And they, he wrote it into the script that there was a Jakar Londo love scene, or they were going to be in bed together. And they actually, he had, they, they read the script and they laughed and they're like, very funny joke. He's like, no, really, we're filming this. And he had them make prosthetic Narn breasts. And he had them actually get down to where they were about to film the scene before he cracked up laughing and said, we're not doing this, but he actually had them sweating bullets. They were going to have to do a love scene together. That's hysterical. So I wonder why the show never had a budget. Exactly. They they blew the whole budget on Narn breasts. Fake Narn breasts. Well, you can reuse those later. They turned up as, you know, food in the Zocal. I have no idea. But the topless Narn dancer was suddenly added to the cast. (laughs) Exactly. We need to. That's why. Well, somebody had, to replace, boobs somebody had to replace Kepler. This was Jabambi. <laughs> or whatever. Whatever the hell her name is. But a stripper. The thing which I do just enjoy about that is that Nar- is the Jakar L- Narn. Narn won. So this is Narn. He has no idea what to do. He's running around the Zogla. They're coming the for you now. I mean, that just shows that he does not know what the hell he's doing, and I think that's a good thing. Now, cut to the, ne- to the last episode. Poor old the, Narn. The fall- oh, time! The fall of Narn. The fall of Narn. The fall of the night. Oh, oh, before before we do, I I missed this point earlier. My last bit on the episode, I promise, it's a complete laugh. Delenn, at the end of her Inquisition, channels Labyrinth. You have no power over me, which would make Sebastian the Goblin King. (laughs) She uses that line several times in the show, too, I think. And I finally seen Labyrinth. When Danielle and I started dating, I wanted to show her my favorite movie, and she wanted to show me her favorite movie. I can't remember what my favorite movie was, but she watched it. She paid attention. She took notes. We exchanged. It was lovely. Then she put on Labyrinth. Credits are still on. I fell asleep on the couch. Oh, so for we, shame, sir. We just watched it like three, four months ago, so now I finally understand. I am Grasshopper. <laughs> I don't understand. Don't Labyrinth? worry. <laughs> I don't understand. I've never seen this movie. Of which well, you speak. Kick her off the podcast and let her go watch it. So The Fall of Night, which Death Roll and Catherine know a lot about because they watched it two hours ago, mm-hmm. and is also <laughs> co-starring as the PR dude, the, I forget the actor's name, he just, I, no, he's still alive. Uh, he's he's quite old, but he's still with us. Although by the time this episode, though, he's, he's clearly dead. Um, the uh, <laughs> He also played the priest on Picket Fences. Which is where I know him from. Go figure. You have watched some of the most random stuff. David Kelly, dude. Great show. I think you've watched everything. Have you watched everything? Tom Skerritt, Ray Walston, my favorite margin, Watson, Walton, whatever his name is. Um, Five-ish Finkel, one of the better actors in the world. You're naming things I've never heard of. Five-ish Finkel's a person. He's a very, very, very old... Yeah, things that I haven't heard of. He was in uh, Boston Public? Again, things... No, I never watched that. Tom Skerritt? Tom Skerritt. Give me Tom Skerritt. Not familiar. Kathy Baker? I I think I may have... 
Um, she plays Fair Joey be- Lucas on um, West Wing. She's the only deaf actress in Is, the world. Are you talking about Marley Matlin? Yes, Marley Matlin, Ellen. Marley Matlin. Uh, the the uh, uh, Lauren Holly was married to uh, Drew Carey. Then she found not Drew. Oh God, she's not married to Drew Carey. She's married to um, East Ventura Pet Detective. Who is he? Jim, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Very different from Drew Carey. Um, she's married to Drew Carey. J- J- Jim Carrey then realized he was very strange, so she divorced him. She didn't know this beforehand. I don't who put much faith in the judgment. Who married Jim Carrey? His... <laughs> Drew Someone Carrey. That would have worked. That would have worked. I mean, the whole thing with what's her face from Friends. And her husband's playing, that was sad. But if Lauren Holly had married Drew Carey, I think that would have worked. Unless, of course, if he's happily married, in which case it probably would have been problematic. My fall coffee, of night? My, my coffee kicked Yes, the fall of night. Fall, yeah, we can tell. The fall like, of night. The episode opens when Veer and Lanier are having drinks together. I, I love this nice. part. I love this part. And you sense this happened every week. Yes. Yes. Because they're like, they see you tomorrow. Or same time next week or whatever. Well, they're the two surviving aides because Natoth is no longer with us. So. <laughs> they, they, want, they just want to keep whatever happened to Natoth from happening to them. <laughs> exactly. Natoth kind of disappeared. I think, I think Natoth was Whoa, also what the hell was that? Uh, that Catherine exploded, unfortunately. Oh, I hold did? on. Wait. Think... Yeah, you, let, you, you did a... <laughs> into the microphone. I think Natasha was only... This is why I said move the microphone away from in front of your mouth. I had! <laughs> it fell back. <laughs> oh my god, it's like marital bliss over here. Hold on. Um, We, we have cock. <laughs> I'm going to say that oh. next time you get into it with anybody. Well, you... You, you can't. Including yeah. yourself? Yes. This is Massachusetts. It could work. Turn you around. You said you're married to Danielle. It's not Caprica. <laughs> this is true. It probably wouldn't work. Yeah, D- Danielle might have something to say about this. Yeah, she probably would be very. But if it weren't for that, you know, we, we could talk. I think she would be amused more than anything. <laughs> I might have to laugh. Yeah, see, the, the women like it. <laughs> It works. I never said I liked it, but I would laugh. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be very There's a amusing. difference. I mean, it would be very amusing. Anyway, okay. I was saying, Natoth was probably gotten by Mark Hab ghosts as well. Very good. I think we should come up with humorous things that must have happened in Natoth. Like, maybe, maybe she locked herself in the bathroom. Or maybe she died because Narn got bombed into oblivion or whatever. <laughs> maybe she accidentally used the Pakmara toilets. <laughs> or what she thought was we don't know. We don't know what it's like in the ladies' room. We don't know what kind of crazy toilets are in there. <laughs> she goes in there. and She never comes out. <laughs> well, originally, um, the issue with the, with the Natoth actress was uh, the makeup. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the actress who played the first assistant. She lasted. Remember the episode where Veer and and was playing on his Game Boy, and there was um, Chikar's assistant. I just edited it, edited that episode. Yeah, and they're like, "Don't give away the home world." It was like one. Of the, it was like the third. Mm-hmm. Was like, Born to the Purple was like the third episode of the show, and yeah. she quit because she couldn't do the makeup. So they said she accidentally spaced herself. So they gave him a new assistant, Toth, and then I can't think of the name of the actress. She couldn't deal with the makeup. Mary Kay Adams. Mary Kay Adams. Was it Mary Kay? I don't know. No, no that's the one no, from this season. No, it wasn't. Whoever, Caitlin Brown, something Brown. Yeah, Caitlin Brown. Caitlin Brown. She couldn't do it, so she left. So then they recast her as Mary Kay. Uh, they recast the character because they needed Natasha. So you have the second Natasha, so Natasha is Darren. Right. So now Darren Stevens is there, but the problem is Mary Kay Adams in in testing, and then you know when she they tested her for the role, she was great, and they she beat all the other actresses. She was so timid around uh, Andreas Kusula. She wanted him to look good or whatever, so she played every scene so timidly that it, it, the, the character just didn't work. So they got rid of her, and they actually brought back Caitlin Brown was. Sheridan's defense attorney in the last set of episodes was Caitlin Brown, but 
that's kind of it. So they kind of, they, luckily there was a war. Oh yeah, I think she died in the war. Yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. they kind of, but originally I think they wanted to give him like a Murphy Brown thing in every episode. You have a new secretary or whatever. And the last one accidentally got like stuck on the cheese grinder. And- Maybe one time it was Kramer. <laughs> that was so good. Kramer went to Washington, went to Hollywood to get stable work as Murphy Brown's secretary. I really have watched everything. What the hell are you talking about? Murphy Brown, the gag was she had a different secretary in every episode. And, and Kramer from Seinfeld, in one episode of Seinfeld, went to Hollywood and got cast as Murphy Brown's secretary, which he referred to as stable work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not uh, stable. Get it? <laughs> Yeah, funny, funny. Stable work sounds like you're working around horses. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened to Natasha. She got a work. She got a job in a stable. That wasn't funny at all. Funny. But let's like let's finish dis- the let's finish discussing Martin the Green? fall tonight, and then we can go off on whatever tangents we like because it is almost eleven o'clock. You no, know, I just want to ask Catherine now. In PS, I don't know if you remember the first time you watched this. Okay, you got to the episode. Now Danielle has seen the series, but she forgets most of it. She watched the episode, <laughs> and her impression was, "Oh, good, Earth is going." to stand up to the Centauri. Like, I'm watching this saying, this is not going to go well, this is not going to go well, this is not going to go well. Danielle didn't think so. What did you think was going to happen? I didn't think it was going to go well. Oh, I knew it wasn't going to go well. Okay, so my wife is is a sap, is what we've determined. Yes. No, what she thought was going to happen was what they were setting you up to believe was going to happen, but she just didn't pick up on the fact that JMS doesn't operate like that. No, it's not going to go well at all. Another writer would have done it that way, and it would have been not nearly as interesting. Well, on most shows, or at least most shows at the time, Earth is our friend, and Starfleet will stand up to the bad guys. Well, you know, we are from Earth, so I would think it would be good if Earth was our friend. Yeah, Considering yeah. we would have no home if it wasn't. Whereas on Babylon 5, Earth are the people that want you to wear armbands and the rest grandpa for speaking ill of, of, of the bald. Taxes. Bald. Taxes, yeah. So Earth has arrived and the actor who plays uh, the, 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 the... Are we back on that again? No, he he's in Babylon 5. He plays a Mimbari and he plays a Narn too. The, the god, the, the assistant. The Narn or just a Narn? He plays a Narn later. Narn number seven, jeez. Yes, thank you. So <laughs> he shows up again later too. So he, the one thing I did like was Do when... Do we recognize him as such? No, then it doesn't matter. I think he's actually... How can you his... tell when they're all covered in spots? No, it was. I was actually watching an episode and Bruce Boxleitner was pointing him out as a Narn saying, oh, that was the guy, remember him? And... No, I'm sorry. No, no, you're thinking of the Narn that he met before, and then he pointed and said, that is the Narn. No, I'm sorry. That is the guy we refer to as the Narn. Who is the, um, I don't know if I'm thinking of the same character here. Who is the Mimbari who tells, who, Nehrun? Who takes Delenn's spot on the Grey Council? I th- is he Nehrun? I don't is he care. The same, is he the same guy who with the, the dead body that got stolen? Yes, I think it's Nehrun. I'm not. Yeah, sure. his name is Nehrun. Okay. Are you saying Nehrun and the Night Watch guy are the same person? Yes, I think so. Maybe I don't know. Why? Well, I, I don't think they would have such uh, big characters be the same. But the top was Sheridan's defense attorney. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't know. Does it matter? No, no. Why are we talking no, about this? Not. I can't remember. Because Ryan's on crack. I'm okay. on. I'm actually on pumpkin coffee at the moment. But um, pumpkin coffee. It's wonderful. Yum. I stocked up. Bed, Bath, and Beyond. I love Thank it. You. I love it. Thank you. See, look at her. We're like we're we're, we're gonna hang I out. I don't like coffee. Well, well, well no one likes fine. you, so I'm I like I like coffee, but I don't like it at eleven o'clock at night. P.S. Catherine hug. <laughs> P. 
Hufflepuffs and your hugs. Knock it off. Hey, it's interesting. We have somebody from each of the four houses here. That's a little wow. Impressive. Oh my god, it's like a summit. <laughs> oh my god, we actually have. I just count. The head count. There's actually four people here. Oh my god. Yeah, and and we have beer, so we're having a beer summit. I'm out of. Beer. I don't have beer. I never had beer. I was having wine. Ah, I'm sorry. Go get beer. No, I want to finish this first. Oh, yeah. Well, let's do that. I like how Susan gives Sheridan a piece of the scrap metal from the Black Star. I that, that was, was awesome. You know what was awesome? It's actually Christmas again. That was awesome. Yes. Like, and you're, you actually, Danielle said, where'd the time go? It's like, it's actually, it makes sense. It's literally. The year actually lasts a year. The year lasts a year. It was a year ago, right after Christmas, around New Year's, that uh, Santiago. Isn't it a coincidence that all the big things happen <laughs> if you at the beginning and the, the end of the only year? Big, well, if you count that, the only big thing that's happened, I think, you know, a war being started and concluded in less than a year is kind of a big deal. My favorite was the Harry Potter fan fiction I read where Harry's like, well, it's it's March. We only have a couple more months until the final battle begins and there's silence in the room. Everyone's <laughs> like, Harry, why do you say that? Well, everything usually happens in May, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just figured, you know. As so it turns awful. out Harry was in touch with the force or whatever and it really <laughs> Or you know, just just figured out using statistics. He read the manual. He read the manual. Uh, Harry Potter in the boring year at Wizarding School. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. One scene I did love here and it's the most quiet scene in the episode is I can't remember the name of the um the older PR guy, but he's talking to Ivanova about his granddaughter. Mr. Lance. Mr. Lance. And, uh, and about his granddaughter. And I love the fact that he's a human being who has a family and has hobbies and he, he's not a cardboard cutout villain, evil guy who wants to destroy Narn and he's not Sheridan's you know, antithesis. He's just a guy trying to do a job and he loves his family and he thinks this is the right thing to do. Because so many times when you see the Night Watch plots and all those different types of, of things that you know are against civil liberties and you don't feel are right, you have a-hole one-dimensional characters enforcing them. That's not the case here. You actually have a, a good guy who's making, trying to do the right thing. Which we as the knowing Sheridan and knowing everyone and knowing Jakar and everything and seeing what's happened to Londo and knowing there are shadows involved, we think is, is the wrong decision. But from his perspective, he's just trying to keep the peace. Because we're a planet that almost got wiped out in war ten years ago and I don't want my granddaughter living through that so i mean i think we're not living through we're not living through that yeah and i think that kind of made the episode for me it's just that one moment you realize okay there's different perspectives here and 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 that made everything else you question is sheridan really right and 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 that helps because if it's just a one-dimensional battle who the hell cares and i thought it was important that it wasn't about that very good. And I've got a couple of notes here about Nightwatch, but they're really better saved for season three. Okay. Just small stuff. Uh, Zach Allen has to make a choice about loyalty. The instruction they get from on high, don't think, just report. We'll decide what's good and what's bad. And In the very end of the episode, was it the mom and pop shop? guy i keep calling yeah, him. The, he complained to sharon then at the beginning of the episode the security was harassing him as i recall and by the end of the ep- no did that uh, happen? no that wasn't in this episode no, sorry yeah um, it, 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 but no, he, he was overheard saying something like the president is a socialist and he got hauled off to a re-education camp i mean death Row said that four times today and he's still here so i mean this is really not yeah a good thing. but uh we, we'll see how tomorrow goes <laughs> but uh, yeah death World's get a busy signal when i try and call him in the morning but um because you know, why are you calling him in the morning? I always call him in the morning, don't you? No. Why? You're like, why? <laughs> Is there something that you two need to tell me? Picturing Catherine kicking in your front door in the morning, knowing exactly where the Babylon Five is. <laughs> <laughs> she 
she's going to hide in the closet and wait for you to call and pick up the phone. Why are you calling him? It's like Danielle's uh, mother every time the telemarketers call the house. She's like, you're that bitch having an affair with my husband, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to use that one. You should. Mm. (laughs) She's like, can't hang up on you. So, I mean, so... (laughs) She's laughing. Uh... We have the so we're at the point in the episode now and in, in the point of the season now where everything with Keffer is coming to a head and you have which is good too because the character went absolutely nowhere all season he's been driving around hyperspace with his high beams on looking for shadow vessels and you have the Narn warship show up at Babylon Five and request assistance from Sheridan which. Luckily, humanitarian assistance. Humanitarian assistance, which the good thing is, it's not illegal. And number two, it's like legally required that he provide assistance to anyone who asks. I loved how he's using the letter of the law and the letter of the regulation to tell Mr. Lance to go off himself or <laughs> go get stuffed. Right, exactly. If Laurel were here... Lieutenant Commander Takashima! I forget who she is. I never met her. But if she were here, she would say, go get stuffed. So you have that whole thing happening. And it's funny because when I first watched this, I forgot that we're only two episodes following the end of the war. For some reason, I thought this was more spaced out. But it makes sense that there would be Narn ships that survived the conflict who now have no port to turn to. And Babylon 5 is literally the only port left anywhere that's remotely friendly base. And... You had earlier in the season, I think it was, and now for a word, you had the firefight breakout outside the station where the Centauri threatened to attack Babylon 5, mm-hmm. and they didn't, and Sheridan drove the, the shuttle you know, towards them, and everything worked out fine. Here, not so much, and you literally have a firefight with a uh, Centauri battlecruiser who's firing at the Narm warship and Babylon 5, and now you mm-hmm. have that new defense grid. Which is very nice and shiny CGI. Which is very nice. Well, they still have the one gun. If you notice, there's like... No, no, there's like four of them. Are they up to four? Because remember the first episode... I I have in my notes here, ooh, guns. It's the entire fleet of Vorlon ships, you know, coming directly at them, and they have like the one gun poking out the side of the station, which I thought was ridiculous, but whatever. So take a death. Like, what do you think of the battle? Uh, I thought it was very interesting how the Centauri are seeking a non-aggression pact with Earth to get them out of the way while they finish conquering all of their neighbors, and then they're going to turn on Russia and... After they finished dividing Poland, it just it was that that captain surely got in a lot of trouble for opening fire. Or would have if he survived. Could you imagine if he blew up the station and he killed like the Vorlon ambassador, the Mimbari ambassador? Like you thought the Earth Mimbari war was over an accident? Could you imagine if he killed representatives of every single race? Like, thank God, Sheridan blew him up. Yeah, like and. Yeah, and that's ultimately what the uh, the Joint Chiefs came down with. They're like, his actions here in in defense of the station were absolutely right and proper. You know, there's a quarter of a million humans and aliens here, and you're absolutely right. The Vorlon ambassadors, on, although he could probably survive. He just flew the way. He, he would. And But the Minbari? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'm sure they wouldn't really care so much about Delenn. But there's more Minbari. But they would care about the principle of the thing, because Delenn is the ambassador, and there's a lot of other Minbari there. So they probably would have gone crazy together, and it would have been very interesting to see them start pointing at the Centauri, especially with the Centauri having the backup of the shadows that they do. Right. And the other thing as well is um, there's websites out there. I don't know if there was a tech journal or a tech manual that came out at all during 
during the making of the series or whatever, but I found it the other day. There's a website that has all of these, you know, background tech answers and all, or, you know, specs on all the ships and the weapons and how everything works in the universe. And they actually get into the differences between the Centauri ships and not knowing how canon this is. That particular type of ship was like an old style, hundred year old, difficult to move Centauri battle cruiser. And it barely got defeated by the station. So you, you wonder if they had gone after, if they brought more ships with them or if they had taken a firmer line against Babylon 5, no one would be there to discuss that. And they blow off one of the docking support columns, one of those big poles coming out the front of the station, and they really cause a lot of damage. And I think the only thing that probably saves the station is they didn't have fighters. So the Star Furies could take out the Centauri ship while nothing went after yeah. the station. It's going to be a lot of mandatory overtime on the part of the Construction Workers Guild. <laughs> exactly. Miss whatever her name is. <laughs> and they're going to go on strike again. Let's see. Okay, I got nothing else for this episode. One last silly point. But uh, I can wait till later to get to it. At the point we're at now, this is the first time it's it's said in dialogue. Susan says that at the end of the episode, Babylon 5 has failed. The Babylon Project has failed. We came here to create something that would last, and it didn't. And it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. And, and it failed. And now it's our, ba- it's our last hope for victory. It's our last hope to win. Because mm-hmm. we're not going to prevent a conflict. A conflict has already started. You know, the Narn have fallen. The, the humans are becoming... The, the human... You know, Empire here is becoming a very intolerant place, and the Mimbari have been taken over by the warriors, and the Centauri are under the shadow's thumb, and the, and the Narn are down, and it's it, it, everything is is happening. And we end the season with ISN broadcasting a shadow ship, which is a very nice cliffhanger, especially since how did they manage to get that footage? But well, they said that a commercial transport found the uh, the message pod in in hyperspace. It was giving off a beacon, although how the shadow didn't pick it up and destroy it, I don't know. But it it got away from Keffer's Star Fury right before he got lasered, and he knew that he was not coming back from this once he actually saw that ship. I'm sure he knew. And he prepared this evidence to say, even though I may not be coming back, I'm going to get the word out. By the beginning of the next episode, I have a different theory, and I can tell you by the time we see the next episode. We'll have to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Well, I had one last thing on this episode. When everyone was talking in the the pub after Kosh revealed himself, you have the uh, Narn saying who they saw and some other aliens saying who they saw. And, you know, it was all their angel, however they, they saw it. And they asked Londo, what did you see? He didn't see anything. Right. Nothing that he admitted he, to. He has no soul. That's, that's well, what I Well, I think took, that's... Yeah. I, I mean, that that's... Could mean a lot of things that, you know, either as P.S. says that he has no soul. So, you know, that's a prerequisite to, to seeing an angel. Or maybe their culture just the Vorlon looked at and realized. Didn't anything, like didn't lay the groundwork for anything because right. they just didn't find anything of value in the Centauri culture. No, yeah. I found it interesting because based on plot, I would have guessed that one of the other characters and not Londo would not have seen something. And the character who shouldn't have seen something, plot-wise, did see something. So I think it was more dramatic to, to just show how isolated Londo is. Like you said, it's like, it's like a dark cloud over his soul. But from what we know of the plot, I think it should have been another character who saw that. Unless, of course, he's lying through his teeth, and he did see something, and he just doesn't want to mention it. We almost forgot to talk about that. You know, Sheridan is forced to apologize for almost blowing up the, the Narn ship, and on his way to... The, 
the apology ceremony, uh, uh, Centauri tries to kill him, and he ends up weightless in the middle of the station. In, in the state, he's weightless, but the station's spinning towards him, and he's going to get crushed when he hits the side wall. And they can't get the rescue team there for you know like ninety seconds after he's dead. And Kosh goes and gets him, and Kosh looks like an angel to everyone who sees him in their own in their own, however however their their definition of mythology. the is. Right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Which I think, you know, we have... It goes back to, you know, why don't you show us who you are? I would be recognized by who? Everyone. Mm-hmm. And it always troubles me a little bit that the one bit of Zaha Doom, of, of In the Shadow of Zaha Doom I didn't get was the Shadows will recognize Kosh if he comes out of his suit. Well, won't they recognize the suit? <laughs> and you know, there's a Vorlon in there because that's what the Vorlons use. Like that part didn't um, get me. But, the, but you, the part you can change the exterior of your encounter suit. Yeah, but I figured they would know the whole time there was a Vorlon. But that was the big thing. They're well, no, no, no. Because even though they're very advanced and so forth, remember that Kosh could not see through the changeling net. Which is true. It's very true. What I will say is that when you well, what I will say is PS got one right. Because we are told from the first episode that the reason that Kosh is in the encounter suit is because he needs the encounter yeah. suit to survive. He actually needs the encounter suit to prevent be- from being seen. So you mm-hmm. see, so once PS because th- that yeah, is PS a- PS went on yeah. record in episode twenty five yep. that, and she was absolutely right. And we're all like, "Yep, we'll make a note." Yep. Because we knew that she yep. was right. Yeah. And that's to the point we're at now where why are the Vorlons angels? Do they t- do they take the um, form of angels? Um, can I just jump into here? We the shadows already know that Kosh is there because Kosh has encountered Mr. Morden. Right. And they fought and Kosh's encounter suit was damaged. Do you so, think Kosh came off the worse in the fight? I don't know. Depends how many of those shadows were actually there fighting because Morden has two of them usually. Right. There are shadows Every- on the station, right? And we saw them it- in Zahadun, we saw them in Chrysalis. Yeah, so I, I don't know how that necessarily applies to your, or rather I, I think it maybe invalidates your observation of, of the purpose of the encounter suit as it relates to the shadows. Well, there was just a reference where, where Delenn said that we can't you know, they wear the, the suit because they're afraid of being recognized. I, I never got the sense that the shadows did not know who was in the suit. That was all I was, I, that's the only point I was trying to make there. Oh, I, figured, okay. I figured that the shadows would, would know who was in there, but they were doing it to prevent the other races because the other races didn't know. Like Jack the Ripper could have been in there. No one knew what was inside. I, I think it would have been fascinating if Jack the Ripper was in there, but um, <laughs> I think Lita would have been, would have been flabbergasted when she reached in and. Please don't Ripper. bring Jack the Ripper back. Um, I apologize, but, um, very stressful for, <laughs> for all of us. So, and the episode obviously ends with the reveal of Kosh and the failure of the Babylon project and the destruction of a Centauri ship by Babylon 5, which will still mm-hmm. be damaged the next time we see it because it blew the hell out of the front of the station. Yeah, it takes a long time to repair. Kefir will be dead until the end of time, and for that I am grateful. Yes, yeah, very, very, very <laughs> grateful. And, uh, next season, and there was much rejoicing. Yeah, next Yay. season, we had a uh, new character to the show who um, Danielle likes a little bit more than she likes me, and uh, P.S. has some issues with that we'll get to next episode. But like okay. by and all, I think season two, season one was set up, 
in season yep. two started with this great new captain with a big smile on his face who loved orange juice and everything is super. And by the end, every single empire is in a different pit place and all the characters are in different places and we failed. So mm-hmm. season three is where the hell do we go now? Which Maybe I like the odd numbered seasons. <laughs> it's like the Star Trek movies, but reverse. Oh God. Could entirely be possible. <laughs> it's, it's the reverse. It's the reverse. Which means you'll love season five, which you'll be the only person on the planet. Seriously. <laughs> you and Tracy Scoggins will be the only people who love season five. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. See, no one else got it because they haven't seen that far. Yeah, that's okay. Jen is uh-huh. going to a, um, a sci-fi convention, and she's like, there's someone from Babylon 5 or Tracy something or other. I'm like, Tracy Scoggins? My, my exact response, tell her I say hi. Like, she knows who the hell I am. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan says hi. Ryan says hi. Yeah. Be, I'm one like, of her three fans. Have her sign one of her workout videos and just buy it for me. That'd be fun. Nice. But, um, nice. Still love Tracy Scoggins. But, so that's where we end the season, and next week we're going to come back, or next episode, in two weeks when you're listening to this. <laughs> two weeks. In two weeks. <laughs> you're you, funny. I am very funny. Um, if my second child will be born by the time this episode comes out. Danielle the, is pregnant. Okay. Yes, we're giving birth in Scott's living room per previous instructions. The next episode, we'll discuss... <laughs> you had to be there. Story. We'll be discussing... Listen uh, to the podcast. Ma- okay, the, okay. The next episode is Mathers of Honor. Mather of Matter of Honor. Matter of Honor. Matter of Honor. Ma- Who knows how many matters. Matter of Honor. Um, <laughs> the episode after that, per... Uh, it starts with an R. Failure. No, it starts with an R. Second episode starts with an R of season two, season three. Um, repossession. Revelations. Revelations. And then. No, that's not it. No, it could be. Maybe. Google. Okay, we're going to go up to an episode called Point of No Return. When you reach Point of No Return, stop. But <laughs> after no we return. finish watching it? After you finish watching it. Yeah, it comes on the opening credits. You hit stop. And if you're Aaron and you're I'm out there I'm just saying. I'm double checking here. And if you're okay. Aaron and you're out there I, I have the Google. I have Google Foo. It is. Matter, matters, matters of, of honor, honor. Conviction. 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 A day in the strife. Passing through Gethsemane. Common spelling. Voices of authority. <laughs> yep. Dust to Dust, great episode. Bester comes back. Or Alice from Brady Bunch. Exogenesis. Awful episode, terrible. We apologize. Very bad. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're sorry for this one again. Messages from Earth, Point of No Return, and Severed Dreams. But we're not doing Severed we're Dreams. Not, severed Dreams is we'll stop several, well, we a should, long time. Because it's like part three. Well, my thing is part two leaves us on such a cliff that you can talk about the cliff and then go back for section three. Do we want to do Severed Dreams next week? I haven't watched that. You told me to stop at point of no return. Well, we have like two weeks. weeks. I mean, Aaron could catch up to tonight's episode by then. Really? (laughs) That would give us ten episodes. You want to do nine? I'm fine with ten. You want to do ten? All right, we're going to go. Okay, back up. We're going to go to Severed Dreams for the next episode. Let me pull up the schedule. Exogenesis, as I recall, is like the episode where JMS is writing it. He's like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And the phone rings. This is mom. Is that the one he fell asleep writing or something? No, then he comes back. He's like, oh, I'm getting my groove back. And then the FedEx guy's at the door by the time he finally gets back. What episode am I writing again? And he's, uh, and they all die. And they oh, just- failure. I like Exogenesis, actually, for what Corwin goes through. I love Exogenesis until the last five minutes. And then literally I start checking my email. While we were watching, it was, I couldn't do it. It was jungle oh, well. and I was still riveted. I liked all the other ones, really. Did you I didn't like, like Exogenesis. No, well, I said God, I liked all the other ones. I was gonna say you're watching the show in reverse. Like, so what is the what would be the next the first one of the following podcast since it's no longer um it would it's be no longer dream. Uh, ceremonies of light and dark. Ceremonies of light and dark. Well, oh my God, you're right. updating the schedule, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> Excellent. So, 
Ceremonies of Light and Dark, and we'll probably do that one through War, War Without Ends Part 2. I think, yeah, that's what and it we'll is. And we'll do yep. Walkabout through Zahadum. Sounds good. Go. So we've got a lot to get through for the next one, but the other, the two after that will be shorter. And Aaron, our dear friend Aaron, who has a new microphone, has quite a bit more. Another new microphone? He has. Well, no, he has a. He had a new microphone last week. He had a new microphone. Well, last we week. didn't record last week. Well, yes, we did. did. Just something else. You didn't. Because of the schedule mishap. It was me and Gen Two and Aaron uh, and his new microphone. Which could oh, yeah. be a character on its own. Aaron's keyboard is already the guest mascot. It really is. It's the new burner. Cause yeah. it's your See, that's what I was saying. I mean, if somebody can't make it and you bring in Aaron, you're bringing in two for the price of one. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I'm editing a couple of episodes right now, and I'm going to put it in the intro, you know, after all of the names. And I'm Aaron's keyboard. It needs Ding. to type it. It needs to type it. <laughs> you know, I'm Aaron's keyboard. It's like an I'm Jen's mom was on the podcast for a few yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we got that. All right, so I have one last thing that is not at all important. I just laughed my ass off. It's in Divided Loyalties. Delenn is talking, she's dictating a message or, or whatever, and she's talking about establishing diplomatic relations with the Lumati. Now, remember who the Lumati are. They're the ones who like to seal the deal by getting it on. Then we will conclude this deal in our traditional manner. We will have sex. <laughs> And she says, I feel at this time that we cannot enter into diplomatic relations. Did she really say that? She does. I miss that. What was um, the thing that Ivana did? No, what did Ivana do? What was the um, boom shakalaka laka boom shakalaka? Boom shakalaka boom. Can you picture Mura for a lot trying to do that? Boom shakalaka. That's hysterical. Oh, God. Oh, that's. Died if she did that and lost. That would have been fantastic. And I'm not spoiling, she's in the credits. Uh, that's fine, but now I'm going to be watching the show looking for her. And, Delenn. And, and Where's the bone? Yeah, unfortunately, she's wearing the bone, so she's very easy to recognize on the beach. She's got the same outfit, too. God, that's hysterical. They fix her bone next season, too. They couldn't figure out what to do with her hair in the season. Like, the hair was going up and around the bone. So she has a bone transplant in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot better. Like, Esmeralda Furlan hated the bone because she thought she looked like an idiot. She looks very beautiful, even with a giant bone in her head. So. I almost That's just said a nice gi- compliment. I almost just said she looks beautiful with a giant boner, which is on, not what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, is there something you'd care to tell us? About Mara Furlan? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Okay, kids, on that note, yeah, it's definitely I need time. to go to sleep. Yeah, it's right. time to wrap this up. So so with that, uh, next week, A Song of Ice and Fire, Chapters, Whatever to Whatever. The week after that, we're going up to Severed Dreams, Babylon 5, Season 3. Yay! Yay! Yay. Yay. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.